I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January 2023, and it is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. Glad to be here. Uh, should be a fun look at the the month and Blu-ray releases. Uh, full disclosure, though, I have been trying to uh, cut back on my spending a little bit, um, partly because I uh, went a little overboard in November, December, and the start of January because of the most recent Vinegar Syndrome sale, so... Uh, I might be my pickups might be light in this month. Just full disclosure. <laughs> no problem, bud. Um, I'm glad to hear that you hit up that vinegar syndrome sale, though. Uh, it's kind of slipped in under the under the radar for me. I I missed out on that one. Uh, however, as for myself, uh, funny enough, I'm also kind of in the mood of curbing my collecting habit. However, briefly, um, uh, very recently I actually traded in a bunch of uh, older DVDs I had. I even purged a few bootleg DVDs that I just have no real need of anymore. Uh, so it just seems like we're in that kind of that kind of mood these days. But um, folks at home, if you're not aware of uh, what we're going to be doing here today, uh, this is not a standard catching up on cinema episode. This is a catching up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, and what we're going to be doing here today is taking a look at uh, the physical media release calendar. Uh, so that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. Uh, and we're just going to do a little uh, preemptive shopping, I guess. Uh, take a look at any titles out there that catch our interest for any number of reasons and maybe dog ear a few things uh, for future rentals or purchases. Um, so if you'd like to follow along with the uh, home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website of Blu-ray.com and then head to the release dates page and just head to January 2023. Uh, and also, if you're not aware, uh, physical media releases generally occur on Tuesdays of each calendar week, uh, so we'll be sure to call out the dates as we go. Uh, so it looks like our first... Uh, major release date here on the calendar is January 3rd uh, and as is customary with the way blu-ray.com uh, arranges their releases uh, 4k titles generally come first uh, and right out the gate uh, we have uh, is it Jome Colette Saraz uh, Black Adam from 2022 on 4k there's a number of different releases for this film uh, this, of course, is the DC comic superhero film, or anti-hero film, <laughs> excuse me, uh, headlined by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> Brad, uh, did you do an episode on this one, or is it just like a, a brief aside or something? I can't remember. I think we did a full episode. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have gone to see this if I didn't have to do a full episode on it. So, uh, must have been a full review. Um pretty forgettable uh you know you and me both like uh Jean-Marc Collette Seurat uh but he's uh at least his last couple movies uh in my opinion if he just wants to make money he should just keep doing what he's doing but if he actually wants to uh make good movies he should uh get away from Dwayne Johnson because his last two films have been uh real stinkers if you ask me 
Jungle Cruise and Black Adam. Yeah, I I can't say I've seen Jungle Cruise, but it, it looked like yet another attempt uh, to make another Pirates of the Caribbean kind of franchise. It has that texture to it. It has that kind of vibe to it. It is an adventure film series after all. Not only that, a period uh, adventure series, but um, it just didn't look very good to me. Like it looked pretty boilerplate aside from the very expensive cast and visuals. Um, and this one was just kind of a head scratcher for me because like the, all the hype behind it being this like long gestating project that apparently the rock was really heavily personally invested in or something at the end of the day, it's like, I'm sorry. I, I read, I past tense. I read superhero comics quite religiously for a very long time. I'm, I'm actually not allowed to read superhero comics anymore. Um, the extent of my collecting ha- habits these days is uh, old video games, movies, uh, and that's kind of it. Because if I ha- if I cram any more collecting hobbies in there, uh, I won't be able to pay my fucking rent. Uh, so <laughs> something had to give many years ago, and I yeah. decided it was comics. Uh, personal history aside, the point the point I'm trying to make here is I don't give a fuck about, about Black Adam. I read a lot of DC comics in my day, and I never found a reason to give two shits about Black Adam. Uh, So if me, the person who actually was reading superhero comics for a good chunk of their life, has very little to say about Black Adam, you gotta make a really good fucking film to get a Joe Average to give two shits about Black Adam. And guess what? As far as I can tell, it didn't exactly work out. Um, I don't know box office figures, but is this being deemed a failure? I think so. There's been it's kind of been a little embarrassing, if you ask me, for The Rock, because he was uh, kind of talking it up as like he it needed to. It was doing a little bit of a James Cameron, where he was like saying, "Oh, we got to hit this number to make this much money," and of course the uh, uh, final teaser at the end of the credits, he hinted at something that probably will never happen now um but there was a some controversy where a report came out that was like a headline from like variety or deadline or whatever and it's like black adam going to be a flop will not make enough money but then a couple days later another article came out and it's like oh it turns out it is going to make a profit Um, and and the rock retweeted that or tweeted that article it's like see we did make a profit um but apparently i've also read since that like uh some of those numbers were a bit fudged in that article so uh it seemed like he was uh, trying to hype it up that it was a success even though i'm pretty sure like it, it wasn't like a huge flop um but it was not what they were hoping for the rock is a fascinating figure uh like a fascinating public figure to me because i i I grew up watching him on, on wrestling. Like, like our, our household actually was like (laughs) shockingly enough, very invested in, in the, the Monday night wars. Uh, we watched a lot of WWF and WCW back in the day. Uh, and the rock was kind of the household favorite. Um, but again, personal history aside, his position as a public figure has evolved in some truly baffling ways to the point that I, I want to say, like, he's at this point where he's not really a person anymore. He's more just a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually, like, made him a lot more difficult for me to be, for me to care about. Because not too long ago, I would get excited whenever he'd, he'd show up on WWE or something. 
or whenever he'd have a movie, like when he was still fairly nascent in his filmmaking career. Um, but these days he just seems so phony and, and hollow and success is kind of a huge component of his brand. And I feel like he's the kind of person at this point that would do whatever it takes to preserve that. Um, such that I haven't heard anything about Black Adam, success or failure, in quite a while now. Um, and, like, in fact, like all the stuff I've been hearing about The Rock lately has to do with the apparent success of his energy drink or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, so it's like whatever negativity might exist is immediately buried by whatever positivity we could manifest. Um, and I'm sure, you know, whenever that XFL project gets off the ground for the second time um, regardless of how it actually turns out he'll find a way to either bury it or spin it to make it look like it was a good idea it was a good idea the whole time um, so he's a very frustrating figure because I, I i do have a lot of like held over uh respect and love for the man but in recent years it's just like it, i don't I, i'm it's hard for me to to find it anymore um, that, that's me though like what how do you feel about the rock brand oh yeah i'm not the biggest fan of him um i mean just like think what is your favorite movie from the rock and you start you start thinking of it in those regards and you're like this guy he's been making movies for 20 years and these are these are his best picks he's the, actually terrible at picking projects honestly yeah. like he, he's been pretty consistently terrible at picking movies for himself Especially, like, you think he is such a big name, and you think he could pick whatever directors he would want, and I guess I'll give yeah, y'all may call that Sarah, I'll give you that, I like him as a director, but, like, um, that Skyscraper movie was directed by the guy who did Dodgeball? Huh? What? This is yeah. who you're working with? I like Dodgeball, but that's who you're, what? What is yeah. he thinking? Did he do San Andreas also? I think that might have been the same, yeah. yeah. Because whoever it was, he's worked with them several times. And to me, that, that reeks of some, some Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie kind of shit or something, where it's like, yeah, I don't know if you're fully directing this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, with The Rock, actually, I've always had like a, a little bit of a theory running in the back of my mind that um, scheduling is one of the most difficult things to to put together a major blockbuster film these days because nothing stops for anything anymore it's it's very difficult to shut down a production or or run into scheduling delays and whatnot that can completely like destroy a studio's financing or their accounting and whatnot on a smaller scale like on a like on a passion project level or an indie level you can you can do some boyhood shit and spend seven years or whatever making a movie or something or 12 years for that matter. Um, but like a, a major tent pole movie or something, it, it all has to be laid out from minute one and we, we can't skip, we can't skip a beat. So when you have a guy like the rock, whose brand is built upon his physique and you're trying to schedule a film around a guy who lives in the gym, I would imagine he would throw his weight around and kind of make you schedule the film around him because yeah. he, he does bring that sort of clout to the table. But at the same time, that's just not, that's not how you want to make a movie. Like I could see that being a major hurdle to get over. 
it would probably be really disgusting to look at where it's like hang on you want to schedule this shoot how fuck that <laughs> it's like i don't care if it's the rock like we, we got bills to pay man <laughs> uh but anyway that's that's enough about black adam i think i don't think i said anything about the movie itself i have no plans to watch it um but apparently i have a lot of thoughts on the rock <laughs> anyway moving on um we have our first uh, criterion release uh for the month of january uh and it's on both 4k and blu-ray uh, yeah, and this is uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen uh, from 1988, and this is a Terry fucking Gilliam film. Um, I'm aware, I'm barely aware of the the Baron Munchausen lore and whatnot, um, but I'm very familiar with Terry Gilliam, um, and I bet this is a lot of fun. Just just looking at the cast involved. Um, it, it really good cast of heavy hitters. A lot of people that have worked with Gilliam in the past. Um, and also I do know that Baron Munchausen has kind of a, uh, an absurdist kind of vibe to it. Uh, very extravagant from a costuming and visual design standpoint. Sounds perfect for, for Terry Gilliam. Um, mm-hmm. do you know much about this one, Brad? No, um, never seen this one. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Terry Gilliam. I feel like I need to do like a, like a deep dive, like just kind of sit and like go through a lot of his films because I've seen a lot of them here and there, but I can't say I I have seen Brazil once and I really like Brazil, um, but uh, I need I think I because I feel like his style would I would really enjoy it, um, but it is a it, it's a huge time to be a Gilliam head. The Gilliam heads out there are rejoicing because not only is this coming out this month on 4K Criterion, I think in April. 4k coming out of the fisher king so i mean if you're a criterion gilliam head who has a 4k player you might i mean have your neighbors check on you because you might be dead from shock you're so excited (laughs) um but this is one i i i think i will pick this up uh i mean there is a criterion flash sale coming up someday in february so this could be a flash sale pickup Oh, someday in February? Is that what they're forecasting? That's uh, yeah. It's like the it's like the meteorologist. They just give you a vague. No, it, it's the flash sale. You never you don't know what day it's going to be. But uh, <laughs> I from my sources say that it will be in February. That's what my sources okay. are saying. Okay. Well, I I really do need to to like rig up a soundboard so I can put that whenever Brad goes in news report mode. How do I not have that on my soundboard? I know. What the fuck are you doing over there, you lazy bastard? Be perfect because you have you got inside scoop on so many things. That's why we have you on the show. But glad to hear that. I'll have to mark my calendar just all of february <laughs> check the internet <laughs> there will be a sale sometime um yeah uh, i don't know that i would be rushing out to see this but as i said i i am very familiar with terry gilliam's filmography i like pretty much everything about his style uh, it's very cluttered um but very well considered and always a wonder to look at i love looking at his movies um so I'd, I'd love to watch this i don't know if i'd need to own it but i would very much like to see it and uh the fisher king that that's funny actually that was a uh we did a review of that for catching up on cinema a, a while back uh, i i think that was a moving on march episode ah right? that's right yes i think we were watching episodes from uh featuring actors that had passed away 
Um, and Robin Williams is, of course, in that film. Um, good film. Enjoyed it. Uh, so moving on. Uh, now, Brad, you, you have to help me out here because I don't know shit about this one, but I seem to recall, and I could be wrong because I get these the titles of these fucking horror films confused all the time. Pray for the Devil. Is this a pile of shit? Did I hear you and your buddy talk some shit about this? Uh, uh, no, I think you might be getting it confused with the devil inside. See what the fuck I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, this one I have not seen. Um, this is the one with, uh, I don't really know. What is it? Is that hair going into her mouth or coming out of her mouth? Um, so this is the one with the hair mouth. Whereas, uh, the devil inside is the one with the upside down crucifix on the inner lip. Uh, the, uh, I know that cover. I know that. Yeah, cover. yeah. the Depeche Mode fan uh, upside down cross piercing. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and that movie is real. But like, if, if you want to see a movie that is just like incompetently bad from every aspect, like that is the movie to watch. Because like the ending truly is, I think maybe the worst ending I have ever seen in a movie. Like just from every facet of it like just execution the idea of it it's it's insulting um <laughs> but this movie i have not seen um i would assume it's a little bit better uh and interesting <laughs> that it is getting a 4k i would not have expected that but uh hey more uh, stuff on 4k the better i'm not gonna buy this on 4k i'd maybe stream this for free somewhere um but uh yeah don't know much else about it yeah, neither do I. Obviously, I didn't even know what the fuck movie it was, but um, I have to assume that religious horror uh, generally does quite well at the box office. There's there's enough people that have interest in that globally, I would imagine, that it, it's a beloved subgenre. Regardless of the actual quality of the product, it's always going to garner interest, um, whether it be like from because of like the taboo aspect of it if you actually come from like a religious background or a religious community or something uh or just because it, it has so many well-known and well-trodden tropes uh, that are you know easy to slip into you know it's, it's cozy because we all kind of have a general familiarity with these things but yeah i don't know shit about this but it, it's a 4k and a blu-ray so somebody has some confidence in it selling decently um moving on though uh we have Armageddon Time uh, from 2022. Uh, who directed the spread? This, uh, I believe, is my uh, good friend, good boy, James Gray. Um, and this movie kind of came and went. Like, I don't really know anybody who saw this. Um, but I like James Gray. Uh, I've seen Ad Astra and um, The Lost City of Z. Um, and he also did, I know he did We Own the Night, which I know is uh, pretty well regarded, I think, um, mm -hmm. and a couple others. But yeah, I, I like James Gray. This one kind of seemed a little, from the one trailer I saw of it, it seemed a little kind of just like Oscar Beatty, not that. I think it's, I think it is a movie about the power of cinema. So yeah. <laughs> say what you will. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw the same trailer as you, um, but I think I reacted slightly more positively to it. I was I was actually intrigued. I was like, eh, it looks it looks like it it could be a heavy heavy period drama, but it looks like it might have some interesting things to say. Um, I didn't rush out to see it, obviously, um, but 
don't know. It looked kind of interesting to me. And I actually didn't know who directed it until you told me just now. But knowing that actually serves as a selling point in and of itself. So that that's, yeah. uh, you know, if, if that pops up on a streaming service or something, I might check that out. Yeah, the um, Grayhead's got to check this one out and get it, you know, re- uh... Re, uh, reappraised because uh, it's 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 going to be the movie in ten years. People are going to say it. Can't believe nobody saw this when it came out. I don't know. It seems like maybe a lot of his films fall into that category, unfortunately. Because at Astra, I remember some people, like the people who saw it, like had a lot to say, especially from a visual standpoint. Um, but then I don't really know many people who saw it. Um, and We Own the Night, same kind of deal. I know it has a fantastic reputation, but I don't exactly bump into people on the street very often who have much to say about it or who have seen it. Um, yeah. His uh, movies are all tax write-offs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beside that, we have Sergeant Riker uh, from 1968. Uh, this uh, stars Lee Marvin, uh, the man who did Army movies back in the day. Uh, you may recognize him from the Dirty Dozen, or uh, I think it was Hell in the Pacific. Uh, I don't have much to say about, but I kind of dig the cover art. It has a very pulpy uh, adventure comic kind of cover art to it. Uh, Tyrese did something called The System from 2022. Glad to see Tyrese is employed. Um, it's like I, I do worry about the man ever since he published those cell phone videos of him uh, crying uh, into his camera. Uh, it's very alarming. Um, and are there any other titles that you'd like to point out uh, this week, Brad? I mean, we could mention the Black Adam bundle that comes with a Funko Pop, but I think we can uh, move on to the next week. Uh, you better watch out. One of your buddies might get that for you. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure it'll find its way to a bargain bin somewhere. It's like, oh, this has Brad's name written all yeah, over it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on uh, to the following week. Uh, that would be January 10th, um, and again, we'll start off with our 4K titles. Uh, first one out the gate, uh, is this debuting on the format, Brad? Groundhog no. Day 30th? Yeah, I think it's just, just the Steelbook. steelbook. Yeah. yeah. So Groundhog Day is getting a Steelbook 4K release, uh, which is pretty cool, um, but it has been released previously, so we're not going to get into it. Uh, I assume both of us like that movie. Um but a big deal release uh, beside it is uh, Dragons Forever uh, from 1988 on 4K. And this is coming to us from 88 films uh, who generally uh, do UK-only releases. Um, I don't know if this is their first uh, U.S. domestic release. Um, but regardless, it's a big fucking deal uh, because their catalog is uh, largely consists of Chinese martial arts films uh in particular from a certain era uh that i for one am very enthusiastic about um but up until this release i really haven't had an opportunity to check out their catalog because of the region lock uh, but now that they're into 4k and they're putting out stuff in the states ha ha uh my wallet is about to get a lot lighter <laughs> brad yeah. you look like you got some inside scoop on this no, no, no inside scoop. I was just curious, uh, looking up the ratings on Letterboxd, looking at this, just because uh, I'm sure you've seen it. You might have been the one that showed it to me, uh, that Super Cop is coming in a couple months from them yeah. on 4K. Yeah. Uh, so this might be, I might have to do a two-for-one two, two for one order 
uh, on both. Not not that I have a deal, but just order both at the same time and uh, pick them up because I am so hyped to get Super Cop in a couple months. So I don't know. I don't know anything about this film, but uh, you know, I a couple years ago I went through some some eighties and nineties Jackie Chan films and uh, had a real good time. So I'm kind of always down for one of his movies from that era, especially in 4k. Yeah, no, this is a treat, especially considering how poorly preserved a lot of uh, Hong Kong and Chinese films generally have been over the years. It's really exciting to see them kind of get the premium treatment and get properly cleaned up for a change. Uh, I'm curious what the sound is like on some of these releases though, because uh, as far as I recall, China and Hong Kong didn't start using like sync sound until well into the 90s um and a lot of the audio tracks were just not a good quality um so i'm curious if the the audio will be able to match the visuals because if it if it doesn't it's fine that's that's what i'm accustomed to that's what i've always seen these movies and heard these movies look like Mm -hmm. and sound like um but yeah I, i remember when brad was uh digging through uh jackie chan's filmography uh some of his older films from like the eighties and nineties and uh super cop, the finale of super cop, Brad just, he fell instantly in love with it. And uh, it was, I'm excited for you to have another opportunity to check that one out. I mean, I'm glad it's coming out to, on 4k, but it was kind of one of the, it was one of those moments where I believe I did rent it like through iTunes and it was probably the, the cause it did happen. Sometimes you rent a movie on iTunes and you're like, man, I wish I just bought it. Like, Oh, that was really good. That was probably the biggest example of that in my life where it didn't have a Blu-ray release, at least in the U.S., or one that was in print. And it was it was so good, especially that finale, that it ended. I'm just like, why did I just rent that? Like, why did I do that? And I didn't <laughs> want to buy it digitally because I'm like, well, as soon as I buy it, it's going to get announced on Blu-ray or 4K. And here we are almost three years later, but finally I'll be able to own it. Well, you know, three years is enough time to, you know, experience it all over again you know we probably forgotten some of the fine details of it so it'll be like seeing it for the first time all over again very exciting but um this release uh, dragons forever is uh i'm really curious if they're going to put out wheels on meals in in our region as well uh because i think of them as a pair so the the story behind this one and wheels on meals is that they're they're both examples of jackie chan films that feature the the Three Musketeers, uh, so that would be Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and Yun Biao. Uh, the three of them uh, kind of came up together in the Chinese opera, um, and they're all extraordinary performers in their own right, um, but there's only a handful of feature films that exist that feature all three of them on screen together. Uh, they all did solo movies, and they all did movies like with just two of them, but there's only a handful where all three of them were present. This and Wheels on Meals both are examples of movies that had all three. Um, but in addition to that, uh, both of these movies also featured the uh, American kickboxing champion, uh, Benny the Jet Urquidez, uh, in uh, kind of villainous roles. Uh, he, he goes toe-to-toe with Jackie Chan at the finale of both of these films. Spoiler alert. Um, and both of them are highly regarded as some of the best exhibitions of, of martial arts from their era uh, on film. Uh, in particular, I I think Wheels on Meals that last like three three and a half minute clash between the two of them is top tier, like absolute top tier regardless of era. 
Dragons Forever, good. Um, but just not quite as good, but some people would argue that. Um, but overall, uh, Dragons Forever is a good one. Uh, it is a little bit funky. Like it has a lot of that Hong Kong quirkiness where the it kind of gets lost in the weeds a little bit in terms of the plotting. It farts around a lot, um, but thankfully there's a lot of you know slapstick humor to tide you over. It is a little odd that uh, Jackie Chan is like I think he's playing a lawyer in this. I mean he's he's also kind of a dick bag, um, which is not something you see in Jackie Chan <laughs> films all the time. In fact, I'm pretty sure he hits a woman like like pretty savagely wow. in this movie. So he's a little bit of an asshole in this, which doesn't fit the brand all that well. But hey, you know when the action gets gets going, it doesn't matter. And the last 15 minutes of this movie is spectacular. Uh, so many people falling off of so many high objects. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> Apparently, uh, we were, I think it was before we were recording, talking about the uh, how much we like the Arrow uh, limited edition boxes. Apparently, this is kind of like that style release as well. Uh, oh. So I don't know if it's limited, or I would assume if it's that kind of thick outer casing, I would assume it is. Um, just a heads up, people are loving the packaging in the Blu-ray.com forums. Did I not just start this conversation saying I was trying to curb the collecting hobby a little bit? Mm-hmm, God yeah, damn it, Brad. We, don't tell me that. We should have taken a month off if that was the case. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, that would be the only way to do to do that properly. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to buy this. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's like, sorry, going to have to eat Top Ramen this month. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of things I'm going to buy, uh, there's another one right next to it. <laughs> um, so we have from Arrow... Uh, the Executioner Collection uh, from 1974. Uh, this is yet another uh, Sonny Chiba movie collection. We've been getting those pretty consistently, uh, unfortunately, since his recent passing, uh, which sucks. Um, I was really, really, really hoping he was going to have a cameo in a John Wick movie, uh, mm. just because I know Keanu's a fan, um, and there is quite a lot of uh, Asian, in particular Japanese, represent- representation in the cast of John Wick 4. And I was like, that would have been so awesome just to have just have him sit at the bar. He doesn't have to move just to, But unfortunately, uh, he passed away during uh, the COVID pandemic, mm. which really sucks. But his uh, his son uh, is uh, kind of getting rolling uh, as a action star in Japan. So the legacy moves on. But uh, I uh, I own the first movie from this collection. Uh, there are two executioner films. Um, I own the first one on DVD. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It is 70s trash, uh, but it's it's the best kind of 70s sleaze slash trash. Um, and it does have a, a wonderful finale. Uh, a lot of punching, a lot of kicking, a lot of bloodletting. Um, and also a nice cameo from uh, Yasuaki Kurata, uh, who is a another Japanese action star slash martial artist who's kind of like a protege of Sonny Chiba's at the time. He's only in it for like one scene, uh, but he really steals the show uh, with his couple minutes of screen time. Uh, but I never saw the second one, uh, nor have I ever seen these films in HD. So I'm really excited to pick this up. Uh, and I think it's been marked down slightly uh, since its initial release. Mm-hmm. So now might be the time to pounce on that one. But uh, I've been talking for quite a while, Brad. So I'm going to hand the keys to the castle off to you. Uh, how about you drive for a little bit? Oh, boy. Um... Well, we have another Arrow release that I don't know anything about. Uh, the Dunwich Horror. Do you have any? Do you know any uh, 
It's based on a Lovecraft story. Okay, well, that's notable then. Uh, but uh, I guess the couple things I do have something to say about, I could say uh, the uh, 4K release of Ouija from Scream Factory, Ouija, not the sequel, which is directed by Mike Flanagan, Ouija Origin of Evil, which is actually not bad. Uh, this is Ouija, the original, and uh, it's. I think I saw it, and it was not good. Or maybe I didn't see it, and the I just the trailer, and I just I the reviews. But I'm pretty sure I saw it. Uh, weird uh, 4K choice from Scream Factory. I don't know if there was some like some like backroom dealings where they had to release this on 4K, or I can't imagine this is going to be a big seller for them. There's not many Ouija heads out there. And uh, also, I mean, when it was announced, at least on the Scream Factory's Facebook page, they were getting laughed at. They were getting the laugh reaction emoji. So uh, very odd, very odd choice. Maybe it was a rights expiration situation, like you said. Not mm-hmm. not quite a backroom dealing situation, but like a you gonna you gonna put this out or not? Yeah, because we're taking it back if you don't. And it's like ah, fine. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Like we'll put out Ouija. Um, I, I do remember the, uh, I, I could be talking directly out my ass, but I, I seem to recall they got the, the gravelly voiced announcer guy to do the commercials for, for Ouija. Oh, okay. Or, yeah. You, you know, which one I'm talking about. Like when we were kids, it was Don Fontaine who, he had the, the voice. Nowadays we just have this guy who, who sounds like he's half of, he's like Vin Diesel, but like in the process of waking up. So he's like, Ouija. I remember him doing the commercials, and I remember thinking it looked like total fucking garbage. Uh, So I'm not surprised to hear it wasn't very good. But um, beside that, we do have a Criterion release of Imitation of Life uh, from 1934. Um, Are you familiar with this one, Brad? Uh, No, I don't know anything about this one, actually. Neither do I, but as we tend to say here at Catching Up on Cinema, if it's part of the Criterion Collection, it is most assuredly worth your time. Uh, so I'm sure somebody out there is very excited for this. Also, I, not to bring it back to Ouija, Ouija. just uh, <laughs> just a, a public service announcement for anybody. Uh, if you buy Scream Factory titles or 4Ks uh, and you enjoy slipcovers, apparently this does not come with a slipcover. And people are pissed. They are losing it in the forums. Um, at least two people were mad. But uh, be aware, <laughs> you do not get a slipcover with this uh, release. I mean, in the world of physical media collecting, like if two people raise a stink, that that means a lot of people are upset. Well, like, yeah, like people really. are pissed. People, two people on the internet are upset. <laughs> uh that, that again that's why we have you on the show brad you di- you dig through those posts you find the gold <laughs> um beside uh imitation of life from the criterion collection though we have she said uh from 2022 uh i saw this getting quite a lot of positive buzz um when it was being promoted i, I forget did you end up seeing this one brad i did i crammed it in Real, I, I uh, it was like the weekend I finalized my top ten list. I had an extra like ninety minutes, and I said I don't think this is gonna make my top ten, but it's the last. It's all I can fit, so I I, I crammed it in, um, and it was 
pretty good. I I like these uh, journalism, investigative journalism movies. It it is a little weird though because um, with it being about the Harvey Weinstein stuff, it's it's different versus like you know Spotlight and uh, like all the President's Men. Like those are it's just, it's different because like in this one, a lot of the people involved are Hollywood figures. So there's like scenes where the reporters will go to Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's house and they're like, all right, we're going to meet with Gwyneth Paltrow and interview her and get her statement about Harvey Weinstein. But then it cuts away and then it, sh- it cuts to them like in the car afterwards. And they're like, Oh, that was a great interview with Gwyneth. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, well it would, how do you, how do you handle that? Cause it's like, you, you can't really have just like any actress play Gwyneth Paltrow. That'd be weird. Even weirder, though, is that uh, Ashley Judd plays herself. So they actually have her as herself in this, which is a little odd because you're watching her talk about what she went through. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like real for her, but she is still acting. It's it's a little weird. I don't know. There's there's some issues with it with that. Um, but if you're if you like these investigative journalism movies, it's it's pretty solid. Uh, there's some some good scenes. Uh, Samantha Morton is really good in it, and uh, yeah, it's 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 worth checking out. Yeah, I do generally enjoy investigative journalism films, so this was on my radar. I haven't gotten to it, um, but actually, like, I don't know if it's in poor taste for me to ask, but did they actually have an actor to represent Weinstein in the film? They did, but it's all like shot from like you know far away and like behind behind and uh, like and there's a he he speaks but only on the phone so anytime he's like actually like because he does come into the i think it's the new york times he does come into the office but it's you don't actually see the scene with him in the it's so it's like i don't know it's kind of weird how they have to you know work with that um but yeah i mean the performances were good in some ways i feel like that might be the best way to handle that um i'm not positive i mean bombshell they they showed everybody um yeah kind of covers similar ground unfortunately but um i'm actually curious if ashley judd maybe she's a producer on the film um because that would make sense to me could be yeah and then you start questioning like i don't know if she was or not but while you're watching it you're like well did they did they want to get uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in it like was that like did they want all these people to play themselves and it gets and then you start getting in a whole rabbit hole and then you're like well okay so if Gwyneth Paltrow is herself in this universe but Carrie Mulligan is this reporter how does that affect you're trying to do six degrees of Kevin Bacon like okay does this not make sense at all uh, <laughs> like were they ever in a movie together that all of a sudden so did that movie not exist in this world um but uh, no, I mean I liked it. I give it. I yeah. think I give it a three point five. But some some issues there that kind of hold it back. It sounds like it's a well made film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd be curious to check it out for sure. But um, see, folks, this is an example of of the curse of an analytical mindset. Um, whenever you walk into a theater, is <laughs> like some people can just sit and watch a movie. Um, I can't. <laughs> That's not how my brain works, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm I'm picking the thing apart while I'm watching it. Uh, and yes, I'm well aware that it it, uh, it does not help maintain the illusion. Uh, in fact, it, it's a detriment a lot of times. But uh, moving on, um, we have uh, 
another box of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, we have Our Dancing Daughters from the Warner Archive Collection from 1928. Um, now, what is this, Brad? It's called Vesper from 2022, and it has, uh, I'd say, compelling artwork on the cover. Yeah, uh, it does have some interesting artwork. I, I don't really know much about this film, um, but it feels kind of reminiscent of another film. I guess I better not. It's a bit of a spoiler to say. what. I, there's another film that came out this year that oh. the uh, image on the cover of Vesper almost feels like, I, I doubt it, that it's a direct lift because they came out the same year, but... Uh, two very similar uh creatures i suppose okay well uh you'll have to tell me off air but uh just in case anybody out there might be curious i kind of am just based on the imagery because some of these stills uh included on the blu-ray.com profile for the film are actually somewhat compelling um i'll just read the plot description here after the collapse of earth's ecosystem vesper a 13 year old girl struggling to survive with her paralyzed father meets a mysterious woman with a secret that forces Vesper to use her wits, strength, and biohacking abilities to fight for the possibility of the future. You had me until the biohacking abilities, but you know it still looks interesting. I'm slightly less excited. Not entirely sure why. Um, but I'll kick it back to you, Brad. Uh, what are are there any other titles uh, from this week that uh, jump out at you for any reasons? Um, I don't know if this jumps out at me, really, but uh, we have uh, a haunted Turkish bathhouse from Mondo Macabro, um, which I I don't know much about, but I think there is, uh, you know, some some ghosts. I think there's lots of lots of um, sex in this thing. I think it's a very striking exploitation film. Um, I kind of have had on my radar simply because of the title. Um. <laughs> But that one is a little interesting. Also, uh, there's a movie here that I know got some buzz, and I didn't watch it. Uh, Piggy, which I think is a, a foreign film, and it basically, from what I can gather, it's about a, a young woman who is, uh, I guess, you know, overweight, and uh, she is bullied, and one day she witnesses her uh, the bullies uh, getting kidnapped or something. And I really don't know where it goes from there. I don't know if she attempts to save them. I don't I don't know if she starts helping the kidnappers. I don't know where it goes, but I have heard it's uh, quite good. Yeah, I read a, I read a review for it uh, just the other day. Um, and it sounds it sounds like maybe it's being advertised contrary to what it actually is. Um, like the cover art for this makes it look like a traditional horror or slasher or something. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that. It sounded like it actually had a very dark sense of humor about it, uh, and it goes in a lot of directions you might not expect, but I have heard it's very good. Um, the <laughs> the Haunted Turkish Bathhouse is apparently a Japanese film. Bakeneko um, Torukofuro, so uh, Ghost Cat Turkish Bath. <laughs> Sure. Uh -huh. uh, are those some painted titties on the cover? I do believe that uh, yes, that there are there is some nudity on the cover, and uh, yeah, I think this is uh, this might be border borderline pornographic. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I um, won't be surprised. It's just like I see that, and I'm like, mm, you're not going to get that at Best Buy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not in this country. 
We live yeah. in a society, Brad. <laughs> Don't look for a haunted Turkish bathhouse at Best Buy. It's good call. Just good advice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, Russell Crowe looks like he's lost some of that uh, <laughs> unhinged weight uh, yeah. and is in a movie called Poker Face from 2022. Uh, he's looking very dapper there. Uh, happy Russell Crowe is, is the best Russell Crowe. I, I, I like him with, with a few extra pounds and a smile on his face because we, di- we didn't have that back in the day. He was a very surly, very drunk man as far as I recall. <laughs> but these days he seems fat and happy and that's that's the best Russell Crowe. Um, we have something called The Friendship Game uh, from 2022. Uh, I only point it out because it's a semi-contemporary release. Uh, have you heard of this one, Brad? It doesn't no. look like something that would be on our radars. <laughs> yeah. Win together or die alone is the tagline. Um, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have The Man Who Fell to Earth, um, which is that Chiwetel Ejiofor on the cover there? No, it is, um, uh, I want. I think it's David Oyelowo. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's certified fresh, and uh, is this a remake of the Davy, David Bowie film? It's a remake, but I think it is a series, like a mini-series. Ah, okay. Because I, I remember, I haven't seen that, but I've seen footage of it. Oh. Um, it, and that looked it, like a highly experimental film. No, you're right, it is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Sweet! I, I thought I was going to look like an asshole just then. Thank well, God. I, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> in, in my defense, when you asked me, I didn't have it pulled up, so I was going off of my memory, and I uh, I didn't I didn't know it was Chiwetel Ejiofor. Well, that, that tells you a little something about how you feel, Brad. It's <laughs> like, I'll, I'll just assume whatever he just said is wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely... Yeah, I, know those, I know that nose. I know those eyebrows. Um, I think it was David Oyelowo. I don't know. I, I, that's a guy that I don't see very often these days. Like, yeah, he, that's, he maybe that's to... why I thought he. That's what he's more of a TV guy. Yeah, yeah. At, he was one of those talents that I was like expecting to go a lot. I thought things were going to turn out better for that man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's it's, he's still working, obviously, but you know, I, I thought he was going to be like a big fucking deal. Guess not. Um, we have uh, the return of Tanya Tucker colon featuring Brandy Carlisle. Do any of those words in sequence mean anything to you, uh, Brad? <laughs> I mean, I do know Tanya Tucker and Brandy Carlisle. Um, okay, but that's about it. Okay, is well, this a, a concert fresh. film? I'm guessing. I have to assume it's yeah. rare that I would see a certified fresh stamp for something like that. Yeah, um, but okay. Uh, and apparently Adam Carolla is that him on the cover is that Joe Montaigne without facial hair I can't tell I have to blow up the image um, it's from Lionsgate and oh I think I'm, oh it's Bobby Cannavale never mind oh yeah uh, in, yeah. in something called Angry Neighbors so we're, we're keeping the angry brand alive uh, sorry folks uh, blu-ray.com is actually loading very slow uh, for me uh, while we're having this conversation so if there's a lot of vamping going on, that would be why. Uh, so I'm going to move us on uh, to the next week here. Um, we have January 17th, uh, and right out the gate, we have a movie that I quite enjoyed and actually reviewed uh, with my buddy Kyle very recently, a few weeks ago. Uh, we have The Menu uh, from 2022 getting only a Blu-ray release, and this is from Disney Buena Vista, uh, and this was directed by Mark Mylod, uh, who is 
one of those directors who the name doesn't mean anything to me, even if you look into his filmography, but uh, wow, I thought he did a bang up job. Uh, you Did you do a full review for this one on Cinema Speak podcast, Brad? I can't remember. Didn't do a full review, uh, but I did watch it and talk about it. And uh, yeah, I liked it quite a bit too. Um, uh, I didn't, I didn't absolutely love it, uh, but I I did like the direction and I liked the the setup more than ultimately where it went. Um, but yeah, it was it was better than I expected it to be, especially because the uh, Mark Mylod guy. I think he's mostly just a TV director. Um, yeah, and it was surprisingly you know really well made, even though it is kind of you know it is kind of a single location, probably somewhat low budget i would think a lot of the budget maybe went into the the actors involved but uh yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a good time with it yeah uh the attention to detail the the editing of it uh, it, it comes together very beautifully uh, mm-hmm. i've actually been kind of lobbying uh to watch this with with the girlfriend because she between the two of us she is very much the foodie um and i thought there were a lot of aspects to this that she would really be able to dig into plus like all the eat the rich theming that goes on in there i'm pretty sure she can get behind uh, as well uh it has a lot to offer um and it has a lot of layers to it but it never feels taxing like Mm -hmm. i I appreciate that about it that you can just watch the movie and enjoy it for what it is um but it also has the ability to like be expanded upon and there's there's a lot going on um it's a very well considered production in a lot of ways yeah, it's kind of one that um, I I would kind of think it's you know it's 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 good, but it's also very accessible. Like I could kind of I can't really think of anybody who I would say like oh I don't think I don't think I'd recommend this to them because you know it's it gets weird to a certain extent, but not so weird that nobody would like it. Like it's it's just weird and dark and you know biting enough where people like your average audience member will watch it and think like. Oh, this is really like edgy. Like this is, and it's actually not that you know edgy or dark or whatever. But it's in it's in a pretty comfortable zone. I think it walks a fine line pretty well. So your uncle Ernie could appreciate this one too. You think? I think Uncle Ernie would like it. I do, I don't know if it would be his first choice, um, but he he would probably enjoy it if I sat him down and watched it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't considered that, but yes, I, I think accessible is the right word. Because I, I really can't think of anybody that wouldn't be able to enjoy this on some yeah. level. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I thought it was a very, very well-made film. Uh, and I actually am kind of excited to watch it again, uh, hopefully with the girlfriend. But um, moving on, we have uh, Cloverfield uh, on 4K. Appears to be getting a steelbook. Uh, I presume this has already gotten a 4K release. Um, yeah, right I think it's the same book? transfer and everything, yeah. Okay, well, we've probably already talked about it then, so let's move on to Double Jeopardy. Uh, speaking of Ashley Judge, uh, 1999, Double Jeopardy on 4K. Uh, this is a Paramount release. Uh, I remember seeing this when it was brand fucking new, but I can't remember anything about it except for, like, the last two seconds of it okay I just remember ashley judge shows up in someone's like rec room or something and it's like oh but the thing already happened so it can't happen again oh double jeopardy <laughs> it's like, but have you seen this one brad no uh but i have always been a fan of the premise uh, i have to say i think it's a pretty 
I'm sure I'm sure it's uh, would not hold up in any sort of reality. But uh, it, as a as a little thriller, I think it's a pretty fun little setup. Yeah, I mean, any thriller featuring Tommy Lee Jones from roughly this time period is probably worth your time. Even the bad ones, like I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Blown Away, where he plays an an IRA uh, like demolitionist. Uh, so he Tommy Lee Jones is doing an Irish accent in that film and it is laughable um, it's Tommy Lee Jones versus uh, uh, Jeff Bridges if memory serves um, and it, it's a laughable film in a lot of ways but it's a 90s thriller it has a very cozy vibe to it for a lot of us people who came up in that era so this this movie I bet would be super easy to just put on and watch like mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say it's a great movie or anything but I probably has that vibe to it um we have they live uh coming on 4k uh from 1988 this is of course the john carpenter film is this the first time it's on 4k this, this is also just a re-release god damn it they've got to sort their shit out because I, I i assumed like john carpenter's filmography has the depths quote depths of john carpenter's filmography have been thoroughly mined as of several years ago um, so I, I'm not surprised that this is yet another re-release, but um, that's one that I should consider upgrading because I only have I only have it on DVD. Um, but one that I think is debuting on 4K because I do not believe it received a Blu-ray in its initial uh, video release or home media release. Uh, we have Wrath of Man. You're one for two on that. This is its first 4K, but it did receive a Blu-ray when it first came out. <laughs> Oh no, no, I I misspoke. I, I, oh, okay, I, knew I got that. You. I I have the Blu-ray. Okay, I, yeah, I, I do too. I'm yeah, sorry. okay. <laughs> but yes, Wrath of Man from Guy Ritchie, and I I correct me if I'm wrong, but Brad, you were very taken with this film, correct? I mean, it's the movie that saved cinema, maybe <laughs> saved my show, saved my life. I mean, this was the first movie when theaters were start. I I can't. I, I don't think it wasn't the first one I saw back in theaters when theaters were opening up again but it was the first one i watched and i haven't watched it since but being back in a theater and watching a movie that wasn't cruella that was actually like oh this is actually this is good i'm in a theater this is fun and it was great i it was just like it was a great experience and it was a very pleasant surprise for me i i really enjoyed it yeah i i quite enjoyed it too not to the same extent that you did um but i did purchase it blindly uh just based on your recommendation and the fact that it was probably on sale uh, <laughs> um and yeah it's a lot of fun i'd be curious to see the original because i believe it's a remake of a french film yeah um but yeah it's it's a solid little thriller um it's very slick it's very stylish um god i'm racking my brain for what my first pandemic movie in the theater was and it might be really embarrassing. I think I might know. I, you want to tell the folks at home was, what it was? Was it Snake Eyes? Motherfucker it was. <laughs> oh, it was Snake Eyes. And yeah, you better believe I had to see that. That was the first time I seen a movie in the theater alone, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, so that was... The girlfriend was most certainly not coming for that one. <laughs> wow. I, I apologize because I know you did that. We reviewed it on my show, but uh, you put my life at stake. <laughs> all, you were the one who was like, po- like poking me, like, "Hey, uh, Snake Eyes, like, check out." You were sending me behind the scenes 
stuff. Yeah, I'm like, was, oh, maybe this will actually yeah. be good. I, I thought it was yeah. going to be garbage, and you you fooled me into thinking I didn't want to see it in the first place. <sighs> you don't understand, Brad. The the choreographer for that film is truly amazing, Kenji Tanigaki. He's amazing. He's still amazing. But he dropped the fucking ball on that movie <laughs> because that movie sucks some serious yeah. ass. Yeah, it was and a bad even one. the action, even the sword play, even with Andrew Koji, who is an actual martial arts actor, just it sucked. Um, yeah. And so I, I I apologize for that, but I will point out that I did put my life on the line to go see that piece of shit movie in the theater for you. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I deserve that. It was a fun discussion. I hope so. <laughs> it better be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Wrath of Man on 4K. You going to upgrade, do you think? Probably not. Um, but uh, I I should rewatch the film. I almost don't want to because I'm worried I'm going to be like, what the hell was I thinking? I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I watched it, I was like, that was good. Yeah. But that was that was all I was willing to give it. I was like, that was good. It was it was nine dollars. I, I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> but, um, but moving on, uh, we have uh, from Kino Lorber. Uh, we have a box set as well as individual releases of the Missing in Action trilogy, um, which is a the canon film trilogy of films featuring uh, Chuck Norris, uh, aka like one of their biggest cash cows, alongside Charles Bronson. Uh, as far as I recall, like one and a half of these is good. Um, and it's also an example of a film series where they reversed the release order mm. because they wanted to put all the good stuff in the first one. Okay. Um, as far as I recall, the, the I think it's the second one was supposed to come out first and then they, they flipped the titles of them and changed up the release order because you want to put your best foot forward. Um, and yeah, I, I own the... I think just the first one in the form of like a Chuck Norris box set. I've never been a Chuck Norris guy, if I'm being 100% honest. I, I've failed to see the beauty in his soul. Uh, the only time I really enjoy him is when he's uh, in an Expendables film, uh, when he's featured in clips on the Conan O'Brien show, uh, and when he's being kicked by Bruce Lee. Uh, but yeah, this is not something I need to own, but I'm sure somebody out there gives a shit, especially considering I don't think the third one comes out on physical media very often. Uh, I don't think that was released previously very often, but um, beside that, we have a Criterion box set of Lars von Trier's uh, Europe trilogy. Uh, now, what movies are included in here? We have The Element of Crime, Epidemic, and Europa, and these are all on Blu-ray. Um, Lars von Trier, Brad, uh, thoughts, feelings, any uh, I have only seen his like newer stuff, but I do like what I've seen. Um, I I would I need to go back and see um, Breaking the Waves and Dancer in the Dark. Um, but from what I've seen, I, I I do really dig his stuff. I really like the house that Jack built. Um, I know Kyle is a big uh, Trier head. Is that was that their tri- Von head Von, Trier head Trier team trier anyway uh i'm not i'm not sure what you'd call that but i'd go with von trier as the as the surname but yes okay. uh, my, my regular co-host on catching up on cinema kyle uh, he is he is the von trier head amongst us um such that he had me watch uh 
Element of Crime, which he lent to me on DVD. It's one of the few movies that Kyle owns. He doesn't have an extensive movie collection like you or I, um, but he has like a, a small but heavily curated collection of films, mostly exclusively Criterion stuff. Um, so he lent that to me, and that served as my introduction to Von Trier. Um, and it was in preparation for him having me review uh, Antichrist with him, um, which I thought was, I thought both of those films were very well put together. They're very well directed films. Um, there's a lot going on in them, <laughs> but uh, I thought they were very well constructed films. Uh, I don't know that he is aware of this box set being released because I think the reason why he has Element of Crime on DVD is I don't think it was available on Blu-ray at the time he bought it. Uh, so I'll have to give him a poke. He, this is one that he might actually buy. And like I said, it's, he doesn't buy movies all the time. So this might be a big deal for him. Um, yeah. Uh, beside that, we have Big Gambling Boss uh, from a label that I don't recognize. And that's really the only reason why I'm pointing it out, because this doesn't happen all the time here on the show. Uh, excuse me as I vamp as uh, the page takes three hours to load. Um 1968 and it looks like um do i recognize anybody in the cast here so it's from radiance films uh, i'm gonna ask you in a second brad if you know any of their releases uh, because they're not ringing a bell for me but it looks like tomi saburo wakayama is in here uh folks at home if you're not aware uh, of who that is um, if you've ever heard of lone wolf and cub uh, he's the star of those films um very charismatic actor not the most handsome man like if i'm being 100 percent honest he doesn't have that leading man look but if you put a sword in his hands he'll do some cool shit um so yeah radiance films brad uh, are you familiar with this label no it looks like they are a i'm just doing some research it looks like they are uk based um, ah. so they must have just sort of a north american uh distribution arm now and uh maybe we're gonna start seeing more of their stuff but first i've heard Could of them be. Could be exciting. Uh, could be exciting. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye out for them. Um, we also have an Arrow release of Lady Whirlwind and Hapkido uh, from 1972. Uh, looks like it's coming out. Uh, they have two different listings, uh, so maybe just two different covers or something. Um, we also have Programmed to Kill from 1987. Uh, this is a Kino release, as well as No Mercy, featuring Richard Gere and Kim Basinger from 1986. Very sexy cast for 1986. Um, and then we have Till from 2022. Uh, I seem to recall this getting some positive buzz. Uh, it wasn't super heavily promoted, but I was seeing it pop up every now and again, uh, like on YouTube, like trailers yeah. and whatnot. Um, yeah, do you know much about this one, Brad? Only thing I really know, obviously I know the story behind it, Yeah. Um, but uh, the only thing I really know in terms of the, the film itself is that the actress, uh, the main actress in the film, uh, she apparently gives a really strong performance, um, but she's kind of an unknown, and uh, she did not get nominated at the Oscars this morning, and people were pissed. Uh can't say i haven't seen the film so i i don't know but uh from what everybody i've heard says that she is amazing in it so um kind of want to watch it you know just for her yeah i mean i hate to say it but there are a lot of like oscar caliber performances that unfortunately get lost like being featured in not as amazing films um so this could most certainly be an example of that um 
but yeah, uh, just in case you're curious, folks at home, there we have a timestamp. Uh, the the Oscars nominations were released uh, the morning of this recording. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure like Brad, do you do any like predictions or like like bracketing for for the Oscars and stuff? Uh, not for the nominations necessarily, but I do have a, a group. Um, not really of friends, I would say, but uh, there's a a podcast, another podcast community. And uh, they do an annual Oscar pool. And uh, I did win one year, which was very exciting. I did win uh, in 2019. I did, I did say, I did, I went with the bold prediction that Parasite would win Best Picture. It wasn't the favorite, but I just felt like the, it, I felt it in the air. I felt the tides were turning. And I was like, I think Parasite's going to win it over 1917. And I was right. And I won the Oscar <laughs> pool. Everybody else thought 1917 was going to win. Sorry. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with that. <laughs> like I think you went the right route and time has proven you're correct, but yeah. um I'm not going to spoil things for this year because I don't want your competition to potentially hear this, but I'd be curious to hear what your pick for this year might be for best picture. Well, I would say right now and it could obviously change. I think it's going to be everything everywhere all at once. I think uh it's got the buzz. It's it's the cool pick. I think uh I think the industry, the older people, I think they're going to want to, even if, even if she doesn't win Best Actress, I think, you know, uh, rewarding Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kei Kwan. I mean, you've got a lot of people who have, you know, been with the industry for a long time. And I think even even some of the older people that don't love the movie might want to vote for it just because it's the cool pick and there's, you know... It's it's a young filmmakers who made it, but there's like a lot of Hollywood royalty in there. Yeah, uh, I haven't even seen it, but I'm inclined to agree. That does seem like the the direction the wind is blowing. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to be surprised even a little bit if that one ends up walking away with it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to if you do like an Oscar show uh, for for the Cinema Speak podcast. Yeah, because um, I'm too to lazy something. to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so moving on though, uh, we have also a Kino release. Big week for Kino. Uh, we have Ghost Warrior from 1984, starring Hiroshi Fujioka, um, which means I'm gonna buy this. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's enough uh, because I I've seen a trailer for this uh, a while back, um, and what this is is essentially. Um, it's almost like a Harlequin, not like romance novel plot. <laughs> Basically, it's a uh, it's like Captain America meets meets a Fabio romance novel. Um, a samurai from the feudal period of Japan's history, uh, like gets frozen in a lake, very similar to Captain Fucking America, and uh, he wakes up in modern day America, and he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. So we have a samurai armed with a katana, prowling the streets of the city. <laughs> and he's a stranger in the strangest of lands. And he happens to be portrayed by uh, the original actor who played the original common uh, Rider, or Masked Rider. Um, he's he's a cultural icon. He's a big fucking deal. He's got a weird fucking face and bushy fucking eyebrows. Uh, I love him. He's great. Uh, if memory serves, uh, I could be wrong on which actor it was, but I think he was the uh, Segata Sanshiro uh, mascot for the Sega Saturn. Uh, if you want to chuckle, look up those commercials, Brad. It's pretty mm. great. 
Okay. Uh, fantastic. Absolutely hilarious. But yeah, this movie sounds totally fucking stupid. It's like Highlander meets Captain America, but it's a samurai. I am so on board for this. Oh yeah, and it's played by the guy who played Kamen Rider. Sign me the fuck up. I'm buying this. Sounds fun. <laughs> it sounds so fucking stupid. It sounds like Axe Cop, if you if you get the reference. Do you know what Axe Cop is, Brad? No, I don't. So Axe Cop was a was a a thing from a bygone era of the early 2000s <laughs> where um it was a comic book that was drawn uh, by a professional comic book artist but written by his younger brother and there's there's like 10 15 years difference in age between the two of those people so it's beautifully drawn but the script of it is coming from the mind of like a 5 year old um and it's it it has that sincerity of and and randomness uh, that that a child's imagination brings to the table uh, and it was very popular for a short period of time i uh, i think it got a cartoon at one point uh, I forget who did the voice. Maybe it was like Will Arnett or something. Um, but uh, yeah, what, when I say this sounds like Axe Cop, that's what I'm saying. It's basically this sounds like something somebody asked their little brother to write for them, kind of similar to the other Japanese film House or Hausu, where yeah, it's yeah. written by a that's child. Right. It's just like, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if a samurai showed up in New York <laughs> and he fought crime? <laughs> sure why the fuck not? oh yeah and then the terminator shows up and he has to fight him <laughs> and, all the, and then captain america shows up and fights both of them <laughs> sign me up yeah and then john hammond shows up with his genetically mutated dinosaur creature <laughs> they they open the new park in in the middle of new york <laughs> uh so beside that, we have, uh, speaking of romance novels, uh, the cover art for this one is intentionally evocative of exactly that. Uh, Spin Me Round um, from 2022. And I'm struggling to read the tiny font, but... Oh, that's Alison Brie and uh, Alessandro Nivola, uh, Molly Shannon, and Aubrey Plaza. Uh, have you heard of this one, Brad? I haven't, but uh, also... Uh, you got Fred Armisen in there and uh, Tim Heidecker. I don't know yeah, how much I, she's in it, but I love Tim Heidecker. He's, I, I know he's, you do. As soon as I saw that name, I was like, oh, this might be for Brad. I am <laughs> intrigued. I am very intrigued because I think that he might be the funniest man alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has a stellar reputation. I mean, mm. his his brand is very specific but you know like the people who like him love him generally yeah, yeah. um but yeah uh interesting i never heard of that one but uh nice painterly cover art very evocative of a traditional romance novel and very very talented very funny people involved in it so that yeah. might be a good one um we have death knot from 2021 uh that font looks really similar to your gal becky uh <laughs> I'm just pointing that out. Um, we might we have to have... get uh, Carrie and John on the horn here and see if they uh, send they them a screen this. cap. Send them send them a, a print screen. Like get them on the horn. <laughs> that is yeah, that is very similar. Wow. Mm, I haven't even seen Becky, but I I know fonts and shit, and yeah. making me think of that. But uh, we have also uh, yet another. Uh, Bruce Willis directed video, presumably Lionsgate film, uh, Detective Knight Redemption 2022. Uh, I believe this is the third 
detective night colon movie that exists if i'm not gonna have second. to uh disagree with you on this uh because not even disagree with you i'm gonna have to outright call you a liar and say you're wrong because this is not direct video this actually opened this played in theaters around me uh oh, weirdly what? enough whoa yeah <laughs> holy shit i don't know what the deal how that and it played in a uh you know it multiplex that only has eight screens like i i i don't know what else was out at the time but i remember they because i follow the theater on facebook and they posted come out this week and see detective night redemption and i was like what what is this real yeah uh this uh i believe uh i'm looking at the cast right here and i'm i'm reaching deep into the depths of my memory from when I had to do that solo review of Paradise City uh, at the beginning of the month. Um, I think Corey Large uh, is the fella that's like in virtually all of these like mm-hmm. Bruce Willis movies as of late. Um, I want to say this, this is like partially like his franchise or something. Like it's like, I don't know if he's involved in a pr- producer or like a, a writing capacity or something. Uh, but yeah, somehow they made they cranked out like three of these, and apparently, according to Brad, uh, they've been getting them into theaters uh, in certain parts of the U.S. Uh, so that's that's depressing. <laughs> uh, but moving on, uh, what else we got? Uh, we have Utama from 2022. I I don't know anything about this, but the name. Uh, I've been hearing tossed around with some positive buzz behind it. Are, are you familiar with this one, Brad? No, I don't know this one. Yeah, I'll just say I've heard good things, but I have no fucking clue what it is. Uh, okay. So I won't pretend that I do. Um, oh, in in the world of Gundam, uh, we don't often talk about anime here on Catching Up on Blu-ray because, frankly, I've, I'm so far removed from the game that I just I don't know what's cool anymore. Uh, like so if ever i talk about anime it's going to be older shit that i'm actually familiar with and uh gundam seed stargazer uh, from 2006 i've never seen it but uh i'm very very familiar with gundam seed i have a number of those model kits uh if memory serves this series was a an early example of a uh a direct to uh direct to the net like a, a web exclusive anime Mm. series it was very short um, but it was kind of an early example of it this came out like uh when i was shortly out of high school um so this was kind of a new idea at the time um really cool designs can't speak for the the overall quality of the product because i've never seen it but good designs in there Uh, we also have (laughs) uh one piece one year uh we have one piece colon season 12 voyage two what the what is a voyage, Brad? Does that just mean season 12, like the second half of it or something? I would guess so. I mean, Santino watched these through so quickly and burned through them. He probably doesn't even know. I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> like, I'm sure if you asked him about something that happened in season three or season 12, he wouldn't be able to distinguish between the two. Yeah, of them. right. I'm sure his perception of time is radically different from the rest of the human race. <laughs> like, Folks at home, I'm sure you're not aware of this. Uh, hopefully you are. Like, Hopefully you're listening to both of our programs, uh, Catching Up on Cinema and the Cinema Speak podcast. But uh, one of Brad's buddies, Santino, uh, took it upon himself to do a little project called One Piece One Year, wherein he ingested 
Uh, he <laughs> he just he just scarfed down. He choked down the entirety of the One Piece anime series in a single calendar year, with with time to spare. Apparently, I don't know how he did that. But if you're not aware of wh- why we're laughing about this, it's because One Piece is well over a thousand episodes, I believe, yeah. in length. One Piece, one year. The, the man is braver than I will ever be. <laughs> yep. It was uh, kind of insane, um, but, yeah, he did it. More power to him. <sighs> I, I don't think there's a thing on the planet that can scare that man anymore. He has stared, <laughs> he has stared into the abyss Yeah, came out the other end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have, oh, uh, speaking of uh, older episodes of Catching Up on Cinema, uh, actually not that old, uh, we have Sliver from 1993 with the unofficial uh, blu-ray uh, stamp on the on the box cart like on the box cover um from paramount pictures uh this is an erotic thriller uh directed by philip noyce uh that we did review uh for catching up on cinema it's not very good um it's also an example of a movie that as far as i remember they kind of had to rejigger the the ending and the plot at the very last second so it could have been slightly better, but it wouldn't have really made that much of a difference. But um, let's move on down uh, to uh, our next week here on the calendar, which is January 24th. But I am going to take a pit stop real quick just to ask you about this uh, Variety Tech Today. Uh, something about the arrangement of this cover art has a very adult swim vibe to it, but I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or if it's supposed to be sad what is this brad no idea uh i do yeah it does seem like it could be an adult swim production but this might actually just be um like presented uh unironically would be my guess actually yeah i'm very curious just what this is because the cover is is horrible like Mm -hmm. this is this is like clip art garbage that you know I probably could have made on my parents' computer when I was five. Um, I don't know what this is, but I'll have to go back and actually find out because there's a lot of them and there's several seasons worth of content packed onto these discs and they are in fact getting physical media releases on the January 18th date, uh, which is an off-date release. Uh, which should probably tell you a little something about the quality of the release. But um, so, yeah, uh, January 24th, uh, right out the gate, our first release here is a 4K release of, I, I did mention him earlier, uh, Charles Bronson in Death Wish on 4K from 1974. Uh, this is a Kino 4K, and um, this is a movie that, uh, <laughs> in this day and age, in this country, um, I don't know how welcome this movie is from a from a cultural standpoint, but in its day, it was kind of a phenomenon. Uh, it did very well. It got, I think, I think there's five Death Wish films total, um, and it also kind of uh, brought to the fore uh, the antihero concept, like like kind of the Dirty Harry uh, was like Dirty Harry was kind of parallel to this. Um, and then also in the comics world, characters like the Punisher as well. Um, and if you're not aware, folks at home, the reason why I say in this moment, in the year 2023, that I'm not so sure how welcome this movie is, is this is about an armed vigilante that um, 
it's it's up to you whether or not you can justify his actions in the film but at the end of the day it's about uh an ordinary man picking up a gun and going out and meeting out justice uh the way he sees fit uh have you seen this one brad yeah i watched it um a little while ago now um yeah obviously you know it, a lot of it wouldn't fly today but i i found it to be pretty uh effective as a you know sort of very dark uh 70s crime exploitation film um and i guess it's worth noting uh, vinegar syndrome did put out death wish 2 on 4k um so they're both out currently on 4k um i've only seen the first one um but yeah i would it's not an amazing movie by any means it does have a very early jeff goldblum in there as well um but i mean charles bronson kind of carries a lot of the film like he i mean it it is just kind of there's something to watching him in this role that is you know, even if you're watching some stuff and you're like, I don't know about, I don't know about this. Uh, he kind of makes it at least, you know, he, he carries the film. Yeah. Uh, it's a very kind of minimalist movie in a lot of ways. Like it, it's not a, it's not a traditional action film or anything like that. It's more of a drama punctuated by moments of, especially for the time, fairly extreme violence. Um, uh, but yeah, its legacy is is well felt. It's kind of the I want to say it's probably the the grandfather uh, of of all dad action movies, mm-hmm. or at least in the modern age, uh, like like post western uh, era of film. Um, that is like cowboys kind of movies, um, just because like the DNA of movies like Taken is very much felt, uh, like spawned from from something like Death Wish. Um, but yeah, the the Canon Film Group really took the whole franchise for a walk um, as time went on. I can't remember the second one, but the third one is the one that would get played on TV most often just because it's the loudest, biggest, and dumbest of them as far as I remember. Like 4 and 5 was when Bronson was getting up there in years and it was getting kind of embarrassing. Uh, but 3 is, is the one where, that has probably you know the biggest budget and the most pyrotechnics. Um, it also like has a lot of like rapey shit in it like all of these movies do so it's like it has these like it has this weird rhythm to it where it's like it's starting to get fun and that's like oh well now people are like jumping on top of each other and it's not so fun right now and right. it's like oh well at least it got to be fun again by the time we got to the end so it's it's this whole franchise is a little bit fucked but <laughs> but like i don't think the first film is it's not like aggressively problematic or anything. It's just, I just think the timing of it is f- odd. Like just given how much backlash there's been to, to gun violence in this country, just within, just within the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that they, they probably started working on this disc well before everything really reached a fever pitch as it had, as it has within the past couple of years. But it just feels weird to me, but yeah, it, it's a film from a different era. It it's, doesn't reflect poorly on on Kino or anything like that. And it is a pretty decent movie. On top of that, I've seen it. I watched it with yeah. my dad. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so that's that. But um, beside that, uh, we have a collection that I'm very curious if you've already uh, picked this one up or if you're going to very soon. Uh, we have The Dentist Collection from 1996 to 1998. This is two different films. I believe Corbin Burnson, I think he's in both of them. I know for a fact he's in the first one because I saw it and I enjoyed it. But 
this is part of the Vestron video collection, which, uh, Brad, you are a collector of, correct? Yes, I I do have pretty much every release. I still have not gotten last month's uh, release of the Silent Night Deadly Night collection, um, which I am planning on cashing in some swag bucks pretty soon uh, for some uh, to purchase that. Because I went to Walmart to buy it in person, and it was $5 more expensive at Walmart in person. I thought, mm, no, I think, I think I can wait a little bit and still have the slipcover. But anyway... Uh, Dentist, I have not seen. I've not seen either of these. Um, directed by Brian Yuzna, who yeah. um, he he wrote or produced Reanimator, right? And I know he did Society. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, he's he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he's farted around in the the world of Lovecraft a lot. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the other individual, but I I have this bad tendency to mix up who did what um it's brian usna but then um there's one other individual uh there's two fellows Stuart that gordon both work together all right say it one more time Stuart gordon correct yeah 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 i i get them mixed up all the time because they have worked together several times but they've also worked separate from each other in similar arenas um but you say this is a brian usna film yeah, I mean, I'm just looking. This guy is all over the Vestron video collection. I never realized. Not only did he do uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, which is included in the set I mentioned, uh, he also did Return of the Living Dead 3, The Dentist and the Dentist 2, Beyond Reanimator, all Vestron video collection releases. So, use the heads. I guess I must be a use the head because I own all those. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to say that I kind of am, like, both Stuart Gordon and Brian Usnell. Like, I've seen a fair number of both of their films, and it's like, I would never point to them as, like, a personal favorite or anything. But they seem to pretty consistently just do pretty solid work. And more importantly, though, they, they seem to pick a lot of projects that that I would look at on the shelf and be like, you know what, I'd, I'd like to check that out. Um Back in the day, like I remember watching a lot of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft-inspired uh, films, and uh, I forget if one of or both of them was involved in it, but the the Necronomicon uh, short film collection was one that got played on cable a lot when I was a kid. I watched the fuck out of that one. Yep, they uh, Brian Usna did two of the segments. It looks like. Yeah, and while you're at it, while you're in research mode, Brad, could you please do me a favor and look up Dagon? Like, could you tell me who directed that one? Because I know I'm pretty sure it's one of them. I think it's Stuart Gordon. That's another yeah. Vestron See, th- release. This is the this is the problem that I run into. Is like I know one of them did it, but I don't know which one. Yep, yeah, that, um, that's so, a Stuart Gordon picture. <laughs> gotcha. Um, is that a Vestron movie? Yep, yeah, that's a Vestron. I'm yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! It is. <laughs> uh, pre- yep, I got it here. Yeah. Oh wow! Number sixteen. Yeah, that that's one that uh, I used to watch on cable a lot too. Uh, that that's exactly what I was thinking of Dagon and the Necronomicon, uh, both of those, um, good, good times. Ne- neither of them are amazing films, uh, but they're, they're fun, uh, very fun casts for all of them as well. Um, anyway, the dentist, uh, I'm looking forward to when you check that one out because I remember the first one I have, I can't speak for the second one, but the first one was delightfully over the top. Like, like it, it, it just goes 
every time something crazy happens and it, it really just goes apeshit and yeah. it's like this is silly but i'm having fun <laughs> i know for the longest time people were like you know in the blu-ray forums with the vestron collection this was one like everybody was like when are we getting the dentist the dentist the dentist the, 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 the. it's just like we get it you want the dentist all right <laughs> back off okay but we got to get earth girls are easy first and then we'll get the dentist yeah, that's actually one that I, I wouldn't mind watching at some point. It was featured on uh, Earth. Earth girls are easy. Uh, it was featured on the uh, In Search of Tomorrow uh, '80s sci-fi documentary. Uh, I ended up getting. I paid into the Patreon or whatever the Kickstarter, and I got the Blu-ray for that. And they actually had a whole chapter devoted to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked fun. Yeah, it looked disposable and fun. Um, but um, moving on, uh, we have a Blu-ray of a movie that uh, Brad and I actually reviewed uh, for the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we have Violent Night uh, from 2022. Um, listen to that episode if you want to hear our thoughts on it, because I'd rather not get into We've it covered again. It. I will say, though, they did announce the sequel today. Oh, they did? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yep. Very cool. So. I, I mean, I'm... I think it's cool that they're doing that because it's a sure sign that it did well. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like thinking about honestly, and I'm like, I don't know if we need that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's, I can see, I can see it. Like, yeah, it's not, but it's also like, what is he going to run into another family who's getting kidnapped or something on Christmas Eve? Like what's going to, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but beside that, we have a Shout Select box collection of the Jackie Chan Collection, Volume 1, 1976 to 1982. And uh, this box set, like, if you ask if you ask enthusiasts out there, they'll probably be honest with you and tell you that this is not Jackie Chan's best work. <laughs> this is not anyone's best work included in this particular box. Uh, so maybe be careful. Uh, maybe take that into consideration before you spend $85 on this. Jesus. Is it eight, um, it's $85? It, uh, on Amazon, list price is $83.34. Wow. So tax, shipping if you don't have Prime. I know yeah, it's seven movies, but that's just. 90. That seems a lot for Shout Factory. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, most of these are not very good um dragon lord uh the last film in this collection is maybe the only one that i can point to and say that was pretty good Uh, it features a a very creative sport uh that's like badminton or a tekra which is i I think it's a cambodian or a thai uh sport where you you kick like a wicker ball against a wall um so it's like badminton with your feet and they kind of i think they invented it for the movie um, and also features a pretty pretty nice little little punch em up at the end of the movie. Uh, but beyond that, most of these are most of these suck. Like Battle Creek Brawl, mm, Killer Meteors, mm, Jackie Chan's barely in that movie. Like spoiler alert, Jackie Chan is barely in the Killer Meteors. I think he plays a bad guy in it, but he is not in a lot of that movie. I remember watching that on shitty VHS at my friend's house. We were like when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Oh yeah, by the way, the killer, the titular key, killer meteors is like a, it's like a copper rod that shoots fireworks. <laughs> uh, moving on though, we have on 4K, uh, Freaky from 2020. Um, is this debuting on the format? I 
think so, but I don't know so, but I think so. Yeah, it, you ended up watching this one, right? Yeah, I did finally check it out. Um, it was okay. Uh, I don't know. The guy who made this, I think it's <laughs> he did Happy Death Day, and I wasn't super crazy about that either. It seems like I would like these, but I don't know. They don't. They're not. They're not all that funny. They don't push the horror all that much. They're pretty, you know, teen horror cookie cutter safe. Um, Vince Vaughn is pretty fun in it, but uh, aside from that, I I didn't get much out of this one. Yeah, I, actually, I will say, I I take that back. They I did say they were cookie cutter safe. But that's more Happy Death Day. This one did have at least one or two shockingly gory kills, like almost to the point where it's like, where the hell did that come from? Like, doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie. But there are a couple very gory kills that are solid. Okay. Uh, I seem to remember hearing something like that um, uh, applied to that uh, Fear Street uh netflix series yeah, of movies especially the first one yeah exactly where it's like it, it's supposed to be targeted towards like young adults and teens and whatnot and then like kind of out of left field there's like one kill or something that goes viral just because of how unexpectedly yeah. brutal it like, is whoa <laughs> well you know it, I, hate, I hate to think in these terms but it's like you know in the tiktok generation Sometimes that's how business is done. You just got to have that one thing that gets people talking about it. Yeah, um, that's that's fair. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But anyway, less said about that, the better. Um, let's move on to Men at Work from 1990, uh, featuring the brothers, uh, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez uh, from MVD. This is part of their Rewind collection. I remember this one popping up on cable a lot, but I never actually watched it. Um, probably fun, though. Uh, back back in the day, uh, I I generally like both of these guys, like Charlie Sheen and especially Emilio Estevez. Um, and the two of them together is probably fun. Um, we have uh, The Long, Long Trailer from 1953. This is a Warner Archive collection release of uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz in a... I don't know if it's a movie. It's called The Long, Long Trailer. <laughs> it's like, that'd be kind of funny if it was just a really long trailer right. for for a movie that never that doesn't exist. That would actually be kind of cute. I wonder if that's ever been done. Um, we also have The Last American Virgin from 1982. That's also part of the MVD Rewind. And Goodbye, Mr. Chips from 1939, also part of the Warner Archive Collection. Now, I'm going to kick it over to you again, Brad. Uh, what speaks to you? Oh gosh, um, I gotta be honest. This week is there's not much speaking to me. I mean, I'll mention it, uh, but I don't know anything about it. Uh, Belly 4K. Do you know Belly? Uh, I Nas I've DMX. Heard the title. Um, I mean, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of talent from from 1998. Method like, Man. I mean, yeah, there's there's some names here, but uh, yeah, I don't really know much about it. Um, it looks like it is. Uh, urban thriller. Uh, kind of seems like it's going after a bit of the a boy, Boys in the Hood. Um, what's that other one I just watched? Menace to Society, kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, cool that it's getting a four K treatment. Cool that it's getting a four K. Uh, unfortunate that DMX uh, is no longer with us, uh, and the last films on his filmography are. Steven Seagal films uh, but moving on uh, we have The Barn Part 2 
from 2022. Are you aware of a barn part one, Brad? Uh, no. Um, I'm shocked. This this is very aggressively marketing itself. Like that did a bang up job with the cover. It looks important. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, Scream Team releasing. Um, yeah, the barn apparently came out in 2016. Yeah, I, I don't know much about this, but yeah, that cover is not bad. It seems like it's potentially giving it a little bit of a maybe a bump that the rest of the movie i'm just assuming because i've never heard of it maybe it doesn't have but uh you know putting out a solid blu-ray release is not the worst way to market your movie nowadays um i'm just thinking of the upcoming kill her goats where uh, kane hodder plays a goat man who murders uh some teens uh and I, the movie is uh, pretty much seems like it's being sold on its exclusive steelbook, from what I can tell. So, this could be a kill her goats situation. I'm gonna have to keep that in mind. Kill her goats situation. Yeah. Uh, man, I wonder. Weird question. Like, but this is immediately what came to mind when you said that. It was I wonder what the state of Kane Hodder's knees is right now? Like. He's not young. No. And he's and he's been doing stunt work, not not acting, stunt work for a very long time. I have to imagine he's got some aches and pains, man. Yeah. I hope it's still fun. I hope it's still fun. And I'm sure that a part like he probably is barely in this movie or whatever and they are bringing him in exclusively just so they can say it's a Kane Hodder horror film and hopefully it's all a scam. <laughs> I mean, the movie maybe it, maybe it's maybe it's good. I don't know. I did watch the trailer. I wasn't that impressed, but uh, it did seem like this is a bit of a, a steelbook Kane Hodder switcheroo kind of thing going on here. Uh, I love how you tried to sugarcoat it for a couple seconds. <laughs> You're just like, that's oh, a scam. Yeah. It's a scam. Yeah, yeah. not a bad uh, steelbook so think, though. I mean, if it's a steelbook, there are a lot of steelbook enthusiasts out there it'll make its money back no problem but mm-hmm. you, you think what you're saying if i'm reading you right is they're going to do a, a peter mayhew chewbacca situation where it's like he's in the suit sometimes that but would be most my of guess. the time it's that other guy yeah. who's in the solo movie yeah. <laughs> could be wrong yeah. but i mean like the lobby cards on i'm on their official trailer now and it, it does come with like uh, lobby cards uh, if you buy the steel book and the, the the lobby cards say Kane Hodder kills in Kill Her Goats, so I mean it does seem like they're just kind of using his name. Uh, if any of your buddies owe you brownie points or something, you you've got to drag them to a screening of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm, in, I'm intrigued. Okay, well, uh, let's move on. I suppose. Uh, to Scorpion with Two Tails. Uh, this is from Full Moon Features. It's from 1982. And it's directed by Sergio Martino. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but they did a decent job with the cover art. Uh, uh, I'll kick it over to you, Brad. What What do you got next? Well, the only thing I, I have next is... Uh... I, I just I'm just back to kill her goats. Um, just 
when you click about the movie, they have some like uh, like some images with like some statements on it, and they start off and they they're you know kind of interesting. It says all practical effects and no CGI, anamorphic widescreen. Now with three times the playmates, so apparently I'm guessing titties. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but my the one that made me laugh. It goes. It says filmed on location on Cape Cod, but then it says takes place in the fictional town of West Craven. <laughs> West Craven. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, man. Like, if you if you don't got shit to do and you have a buddy who owes you, yeah, please go check that shit out because I'm curious. I'm kill her goat. This is probably the most endorsement this movie's gotten on the internet. I'm quite anyone. Yeah, I'm quite curious on this now. Sorry to bring it up (laughs) and derail everything. I didn't realize I brought a kill her goats expert into this conversation. Well, it's been on my mind today. Um, but back to Blu-rays. I mean that it does it does have a steel book, so it's you know it's connected. But um, okay. okay, I don't. Did you mention I was reading Kill Her Goats? So I, I got distracted. <laughs> did you mention this is not a burial? It's a resurrection. The Criterion. No, release? go for it. Go for it. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't have anything. I got more to say about Kill Her Goats than this one, unfortunately. Well, okay. Well, it, you can always bounce back to Kill Her Goats if ever you're lacking for material. Yeah. But. Um, I'll I'll let you hang on to the hang on to the wheel for just a second longer because I have a question about a Shutter original, uh, Glorious from 2022. Uh, I was reading some good things about this, but I have no idea what it is. Um, uh, is this on your radar? Uh, have you are you have you any interest in checking this out? Uh, not really on my radar. Maybe I kind of vaguely remember it when it came to Shutter. Uh, it does have J.K. Simmons in it. Um, so there's at least him, but, uh, you know, Shudder, they put out a lot of, they don't, I mean, they don't put out like that much stuff, like in comparison to like Netflix or something, but they put out a lot of stuff and it's not that they don't market it, but it's a lot of stuff does kind of just fly under the radar. Um, but they do give it, you know, the treatment I think it deserves and they give them physical media releases. And so it's cool to see it pop up here. Um, but no, I, I have not, uh, checked this one out. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know anything about it. Uh, it, the, the color scheme and the presence of what appears to be a tentacle suggests, uh, it may have some Lovecraftian elements. Uh, these days it seems like ever since, uh, the post Mandy era and the color out of space era, purple, uh, is a signal of, I don't know, cosmic horror kind of stuff going on in the film. Um, speaking of Shutter Originals, I actually had one pop onto my radar from a couple years ago, uh, just the other day. I'm curious if you've heard of it. Um, I think it's just called The Beach House. Oh, yeah, I have uh, seen I've... that one. How was it? It was all right. It was uh, felt like its budget was kind of holding it back a little bit, um, but there Damn. was some, some good ideas and some good effects, but it did kind of feel like if it had, you know, it needed it needed a little bit more behind it, um, but I, I did enjoy that one a fair bit. Like it was okay, but it, it okay. yeah. I might still check that out then, because the I find like a lot of times what what draws me into like lower lower budgeted like not prestige horror, but just like kind of mid range lower budget horror films. A lot of times it's just the premise. That, yeah. That, 
piques my curiosity and that's what brings me to the thing is like i'm not really needing it to knock my socks off i just want to see what they what they did with the idea um and that was one that the premise jumped out at me but um moving on uh we have uh an anime release that i can say a couple of things about um not a whole lot but um funny little story so this is called metal skin panic colon maddox 01 and this is from animego uh, who fairly uniformly do excellent work uh, with any any titles they release uh, they do an excellent job with restoration and uh, subtitling and whatnot um, the reason why i'm taking a second to spotlight this one is because uh, i've heard this is a decent little ova um original video animation but uh the main reason it's on my radar is because the dvd for this fucker is like 120 dollars or some shit um it apparently got a limited release uh in previous physical media formats in this country uh so up till this very moment it was prohibitively expensive to check out um so this represents you know an opportunity for anybody curious uh, to pick it up for a reasonable price and probably in much better quality than it's ever been seen before uh, so this is kind of neat um because i have seen this in the wild for sale on dvd and it, it, i was like you want how much for that <laughs> why and it's like oh well they didn't make many of it and it's like is it any good i don't know <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter if it's rare it's expensive that's how this shit works unfortunately um but anyway, just wanted to share that little factoid in case anybody out there cares. Um, by the way, the cover art uh, for One Row Down, Brad, in the middle, um, Invitation Only from 2009. Wow. Uh, that, that's one that would have uh, made me pause uh, in the grocery store walking the aisles, like if I was to see that one on the shelf. Uh, it, is this one uh, jumping out at you at all? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't really know much about this one, but yeah, that is like a classic, uh, you know, VHS era kind of horror, sell the movie based on the cover alone sort of thing. Yeah, I actually had, um, uh, we, we did a, uh, a VHS cover art month. That's right. On Catching yeah. Up on Cinema. Uh, I had a lot of fun designing the graphics for that one. Yeah. Uh, such that I, I would like an excuse to do that again, because that was, that was a lot of fun. Basically the premise, anybody who doesn't know, um, the premise was we were reviewing movies um, based on memories of box covers, like of, of tapes that we remember seeing as kids. So it's like images are seared into your memory. And it's like we want to go back and actually find out what that was, uh, because that was from an era of marketing where a lot of your sales were driven by the strength of your cover art, where it's like all you had to do. Uh, was put Kane Hodder in a sheep monster costume on the cover of your movie, and bingo, you guaranteed sales. <laughs> um, the movie itself was probably complete dog shit, but if the cover worked, you could probably get some money back. But um, I actually had uh, one of those boxes um, brought back to my memory um, when I was scrolling on like a streaming service the other day. It was, uh, uh, I think it's a Toby Hooper movie, um, Hooptober. Uh uh, night terrors i think is what it's called mm, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a creepy looking face but instead of eyes it has like like serpents coming out of the eye holes and it's just one of those covers that's like i don't know what that movie is but that image 
is forever in my brain. Yeah. I remember seeing that at yeah. the grocery store all the time. <laughs> so um, Brad Brad likes to check out Toby Hooper's filmography. So I'm very curious um, whenever you get around to checking that one out. Yeah, I haven't gotten too much into his uh, his later work. I want to say, would that have been a 90s flick? Yeah, I haven't gotten too much into his uh, later work. Looks like that one came out in 89. So yeah, I haven't seen that one, but... Or no, that's okay, a different. Well, and yeah, just never mind. <laughs> well, if you want to do, if you ever want to do a retro review of the Mangler, I'm I've been looking for an excuse to watch that my whole life. I <laughs> I do have it on Blu-ray, so oh I, uh... shit, <laughs> <laughs> we might have to make that happen. Okay, well, if if you ever just need to fill in a week with a retro review, and you're in the mood for the Mangler, I I've always been so curious to check that out mm-hmm. yeah i just uh, recently it was a month or two ago i read the story it was based on oh really yeah, yeah. So. any good not bad not bad about <laughs> as good as you could expect from a killer laundry machine uh, story i don't know what that means but <laughs> but that's why i want to see the movie because mm-hmm. toby hooper is he's a visualist he, he's known for his visual elements he's known for his energy what the fuck do you do with a killer laundry antiquated laundry device mm-hmm. <laughs> laundry press <laughs> well one way to find out um any other titles this week that you want to spotlight Brett? no i think that about uh i think that covers it okay well let's move on then uh to january 31st uh, this is obviously the end of the month uh, and right out the gate, we are starting to get into the Vinegar Syndrome releases, but this also includes Vinegar Syndrome partner label releases. Um, but I believe we have a Vinegar Syndrome proper release uh, in the form of Evil Laugh from 1986. Uh, terrible title. Absolutely terrible. But um, it's Vinegar Syndrome. They're not known for... Uh, the quality of a lot of their films, but they are known for their quality in terms of their preservation and restoration. Uh, so I'm sure they gave this the primo treatment. Um, have you heard any buzz about this particular release, Brad? There were some people I know who were uh, excited about it when it was announced. Kind of, It's just a forgotten sort of 80s slasher, um, but I don't know much beyond that. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's always cool when a new a slasher from that era comes out one that you've never heard of or seen before yeah you know that that's part of the the film preservation restoration gig is that not every movie that you lay hands on is going to be a work of art but just the fact that you're laying hands on it and giving it care is you know you're, it's a contribution it's important mm-hmm. um lost art lost media is is it's a weird feeling to to be aware that something existed but is no more um i don't know if that's a a, a character flaw on on my part but it, it's a weird feeling um beside that we have a 4k release of zack snyder's or is yeah zack snyder's dawn of the dead um this includes the theatrical and a presumed director's cut is this is this debuting on 4k i think on 4k it is yeah i have the uh blu-ray that scream factory previously put out and i'm guessing that uh it's basically probably the same uh 
same release, only upgraded to 4K. I have to assume. Um, interesting timing. Uh, not entirely sure what's going on there, although uh, we'll point out that Zack Snyder uh, is currently at work on his next film. Yeah. Uh, so maybe some financing uh, is still, like they're still jockeying for position there or something, so trying to put his name out in the public um, but we have the Italian job on 4K from 1969. Ooh. So this is the original Italian job with Michael Caine uh, from Kino. Uh, and this is one that I remember uh, my dad speaking highly of. Uh, I have never seen this. I've only seen the, the remake from the 2000s. But how about you, Brad? I don't think I, I, you know, it's my mind is fuzzy. I think I've only seen the remake but I would not be t- like totally surprised if I sat down and watched this and seen that I'd actually seen this one too. But um, yeah, this I didn't even I missed this announcement. I didn't even know this was coming out, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I know it's a I know it has a very good reputation. Um, so I, hopefully they treat the disc really well. Um, but beside that, we have I believe another uh, Vinegar Syndrome proper release, and this one's a 4K. Uh, and speaking of uh, the the Lovecraft yeah. um and and Stuart Gordon and Brian Usna um we have from beyond HP uh, Lovecraft's from beyond and this is in fact directed by Stuart Gordon um i don't know if this has gotten blu-ray re- releases previous um but this is a movie that has rapidly grown in reputation over the past decade or so uh, because it was kind of a lesser known uh, like Lovecraft film, I know for a long time, but I want to say, just like it, it found a fan base through the power of the internet. Yeah, um, it did have a. It's beloved. It Go did ahead. have a Scream Factory release before this, um, but yeah, kind of a big a big get for Vinegar Syndrome, and uh, I forget who it was. I, somebody involved with the film, a little, little caddy. I don't know how I feel about it, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody involved with the film specifically commented on the uh, artwork of this Vinegar Syndrome release and how it was far superior to the Scream Factory artwork. Um, I can't remember who it was, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen this one, but I am excited um, to check it out because yeah, I like the talent involved. I like uh, Lovecraft, and uh, yeah, should be should be a good one. I want to say Screaming Mad George may have done a lot of the makeup effects work in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen this one. Uh, I I sought it out around the same time. I, I was watching all those other Lovecraft movies on cable uh, back in the day. Um, and it really does have some show-stopping and very, very goopy uh, <laughs> makeup effects. Um, it's it's very raunchy. Um it had, it's funny because the color palette of this movie, I feel like, is the color palette of today. Uh, we've come full circle. Uh, it's very pink and purple. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's fun. It's I don't think it's, like, the best of this particular subgenre of film that exists. Um, but it's, it's highly visual. It has a nice energy to it. Uh, and, of course, it has Barbara Crampton and uh, Jeffrey Combs, who both always go for the gusto and everything that they do um and ken forey's in here as well um it, it's a fun one I, I again i wouldn't say it's anybody's finest hour 
Um, but it's it's cool that it's getting a 4K release. Also, this is an example of a movie that was uh, spotlit uh, by those fellas over at Red Litter Media, um, who, regardless of how they feel about it, uh, they carry a tremendous amount of influence um, when it comes to the movies that get licensed and distributed these days on physical media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know a lot of interest, a lot of people discovered this movie uh, through that YouTube channel. Uh, because they did devote an entire episode just to talking about this one. Yeah. Um, beside that, we have uh, Young Sherlock Holmes from 1985. And uh, this is a Blu-ray. Um, and who's putting this out? Uh, excuse me, it's just taking a minute to load. But um, while it's loading, I will point out that the only thing I know about this movie, and I think it is this movie, uh, this is the first film, the first feature film to feature a CGI character, an, an like a computer generated character on really? screen. Yes. Uh, I think one of the first movies to feature computer generated imagery, uh, from, from Pixar, I believe was like, a. It was one of the Star Trek films. I think it was The Search for Spock. Uh, it's the formation of the Genesis planet. Okay. Uh, we'd had we'd had computer generated imagery in other movies prior to that one, but I think the historic precedent for this, I think it comes from this film, is that there's a a stained glass knight character hmm. uh, who who attacks a character in the film, and if memory serves, it's this movie. Could be wrong, but um, anyway. Uh, it's from Paramount Pictures, and it's in a steelbook and uh, lovely cover art. Uh, directed by Barry Levinson, by the way. Uh, that's a name you don't hear as often these days. But yeah. When he was hot, he was hot. Written by uh, Chris uh, Columbus also. Oh, damn. We got a lot of talented people yeah. working on this film. Um, but I'll kick it over to you, Brad. What what uh, jumps at you next? Uh, we have Event Horizon 4K, which uh, is this... Uh... I feel like I'm, now I'm taking your uh, seat here. This is not debuting in the format, but it is the first one that's not a steelbook. Okay. So a standard oh. release. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I feel I, like this movie, I feel like this movie's been released four times in the past two years. Yeah. I know uh, Scream Factory put it out on Blu ray, and I was like, man, I feel like it did come out on 4K, but that's right. Um, it's one I, I, I've seen. I just, it's been a while. So I. I I should pick it up. Um, but I'll mention a uh, release I'm very excited for is Crimes of the Future 4K, which is uh, the return of Papa Cronenberg, Papa Crony himself, uh, which, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how old these directors are getting, and every one of these movies could be their last, and I was worried that he we wouldn't get another one from this guy and I think he's been rejuvenated because I think he's working on another one already. Um, really? I think I saw something about. I think it. Yeah, I think it was Mia Goth is going to be in it uh, or something. I, I don't know. But um, this one, uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was like amazing. Um, some Cronenberg stuff gets better on a rewatch. I think it. It feels like a total Cronenberg movie. Like it doesn't feel like he's missed a beat. It's just, uh, the, the story and the, the plot didn't totally engage me, but lots of great imagery, lots of really interesting ideas and, um, pretty good cast too. I mean, um, uh, uh, not Vincent Cassell. Uh, don't tell me, I don't need it. You don't need to tell me, uh, not Vincent D'Onofrio. 
It is Vincent, right? Am I Vigo? Vigo Mortensen. Vigo. Okay. Well. <laughs> anyway, um, he's great in it. Uh, Leah Sadu and uh, Kristen Stewart, and uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely worth watching. And it did come out on Blu-ray before, and I'm glad that I held off and that it is getting a 4K now. How dare you forget Scott Speedman? <laughs> well, and actually, if I remember correctly, he is he's one of the best parts of the movie. He's pretty good. In it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll be upset with me because I agree with everything you just said. Um, but I, I did pick this up on Blu-ray, but I returned it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I determined that while I didn't have problems with the film, it's not that I disliked it. I determined, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this again mm-hmm. and I can't justify keeping it on my shelf, knowing full well that I'm never going to watch it again. Um, so it was, it was, it felt weird where I was like, you know, I didn't actually hate this film. It's just, I, I'm never going to watch this again. Um, you're being honest. It's actually interesting though. Yeah. I'm, I'm being honest. So I did own this at one point, but I will not again. Um, it's a, it is a very thought, like thought provoking film. It's very, it's very interesting to look at. A lot of the performances are very eccentric, but very well considered and well executed it's not a bad film, not by any means. Um, but it's kind of funny because in a lot of ways, this could, like, it, it feels like it could be his last movie and it, it would be fine because it, it it touches so many of the themes that he's explored across his entire filmography. Like, this even, like, gets into, like, Scanner's territory mm-hmm. uh, to, some, to some degree. It feels like something that, stretches across the entirety of his filmography um and it's funny you mentioned mia goth because um baby cronenberg um has a movie featuring her coming out very soon uh if not already uh infinity pool this friday i think um, well, yeah, at least yeah, yeah. when we're recording <laughs> yeah <laughs> as of recording but but yeah a baby cronenberg has a movie with her so you know wouldn't be surprised if papa cronenberg showed up to set and was like Hey Mia, you want to hang out with a real filmmaker? I <laughs> like, like her. I think she'd be a great fit. I like her. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I've um I don't know if you've seen him, but he he does act occasionally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, Jason X is of course one of his most famous performances. But uh, Nightbreed um is the one where he probably has the most screen time. Uh, that's a kooky performance and a very kooky film. Um, mm-hmm. that I've often considered uh, making Kyle watch. But then I reconsider all, all over again, so I don't know if we'll ever do that. But yeah. yeah, Papa Cronenberg has a prominent acting role in that film. But yeah, Crimes of the Future is a very interesting film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, but yeah, I don't, I don't need to own it. <laughs> but I, I do hope he keeps working, though, because he really is an incredible director. Uh, I, will, I will watch anything he makes doesn't mean i'm gonna own everything he makes but i will watch i will show up yep for papa cronenberg yep. uh baby cronenberg i have yet to actually watch one of his movies uh, possessor has long been on my to-do list um, but for whatever reason it's oddly expensive it was not when it first came out but for some reason it's uh its price point has appreciated unexpectedly that's why you never wait to buy you always buy 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 don't hesitate just buy 
Yeah, I'm going to be living on the, the chunky soup and top ramen diet uh, the next couple months. Got to do it. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have Solomon King from 1974. I believe that's a Vinegar Syndrome release. Um, and I believe the story is that that is an example of lost media, uh, a recovered film. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I seem to re- recall hearing that. Um, we have Gallipoli uh, from 1981. Um, I have to assume that's received blu-ray releases previously uh, that's a movie that my parents like mm. um haven't seen it but i know it by reputation and unfortunately i know how it ends uh <laughs> which is probably kind of a problem uh being as it's kind of a, a important ending but uh, we have pandora's mirror from 1981 uh is that a vinegar syndrome proper or a or a partner label i believe it is a vinegar syndrome but under their picarama label so it is an adult film um okay <laughs> um and we also have uh speaking of chuck norris a uh, big month for norris <laughs> unexpectedly big month for chuck norris mm-hmm. uh we have sidekicks on 4k what yeah on, on 4k 1992 si- so so like i said brad brad is typically the one who has the inside deets uh, he's got the scoop on the on the physical me- media releases he knows a lot more of the background of this kind of stuff than i do I-, I remember you telling me that um around the time amityville horror and now texas chainsaw massacre 2 uh are being put out by vigor syndrome apparently there's like a, a vocal minority group of the fan the vincent fan base that's upset with them for doing more mainstream titles yeah does that extend to sidekicks <laughs> i really didn't get much of a reaction that i judged from the community to sidekicks um <laughs> it was announced i believe during their big sale so there was a lot of other stuff that people were complaining about and shit um but uh it was uh, a movie that i personally saw and i'm I, like you said I, you're not a chuck norris head I'm even less of a chunk. I could care. I couldn't care any less. I, I <laughs> and so it was kind of like, ah, wow, that's that's the 4K. That's eh, that's whatever. Maybe I'll get it some sale. I don't know. Probably not. Well, you do you know what this is? Because I've seen this movie. I this don't. This was another one of the. I, I think this I, was on cable. I looked up lot. the synopsis, <laughs> but I think I don't remember. This this is. Um, I believe he passed away. He may have committed suicide. Actually, that he's the the kid the kid version of Bill uh, from the It TV movie. Mm. Um, that's the main character of the movie. This is a children's film, and it's about a kid who daydreams about hanging out with Chuck Norris. So Chuck Norris periodically dips into the film for when this kid, this narcoleptic kid, <laughs> has random daydreams, and Chuck Norris shows up and helps him kick ass. Um, and then I believe it culminates with like a martial arts tournament at the end, similar to the Karate Kid. Um, I believe Joe Piscopo uh, plays the villain in it. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome, I believe, also released Dead Heat. Uh, maybe they have a deal with the Piscopo Foundation or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just trying to spitball here. But um, yeah, uh, this is very unexpected. Because because this is legitimately a children's film, like like it has action, but this is targeted at younger audiences, and it does have kind of a fun cast. I mean, yeah. Joe Piscopo was kind of on top of the world for a minute there, and 
Mako is is kind of a heavyweight when it comes to Asian American representation in Hollywood, but what the fuck, man? <laughs> they did put out uh what is it? Cloak and Dagger. That's a that's a children's film also, right? Oh, I don't know that one. I think I think that's so they've it's they've done a few um you know, more kid-centric films from the uh from the 80s. Uh, well, this one's 90s, apparently. Um, but I guess it's also worth noting, directed by Aaron Norris. Yeah, his brother. I yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah, I I don't have much interest in this. But, I mean... Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, it, it, like I said, I, I don't pop for Chuck Norris. Um, and... In general, this is not the sort of thing I'd be super enthusiastic about seeing get the 4K fucking treatment from, like, the foremost authority on these sorts of things. Um, But also, uh, shoulder to shoulder with that, we have uh, Roadhouse also getting a 4K release from 1989. Um, This is a movie that I believe was a Shout Select release previously. I'd say that knowing full well that that's the case, being as I own it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be upgrading this because I like Roadhouse, but I don't. I haven't built my identity off of my love for Roadhouse. Um, I, Roadhouse is good. It's but also uh, I do need to point out though. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but um, the timing of this release is interesting because uh, it's been a long gestating project uh, since the late 2000s, but they are remaking Roadhouse, like, officially. Like, they have actually been filming it. Um, originally, the plan was uh, to cast Ronda Rousey uh, as the title, as the lead character, um, but then she got kicked in the head and her career fell apart, um, and now she's a wrestler uh, <laughs> um, and a not-so-great actress. Um, so instead, they got someone else. Uh, <laughs> but they are, in fact, filming it right now. So this right. is a little bit of early promotion for that as well but where do we go from here we already well, talked about bat pussy <laughs> we okay we already talked about that but i'll mention um two things and you know i won't i don't need to go on about this too much but vinegar syndrome launched not a new partner label a new sub label so this can be what? this can be hard to keep track of but what Vin- so there's vinegar syndrome <laughs> Then there's the VSA releases, the Vinegar Syndrome Archive releases. Um, you got the VSUs. You got the Vinegar Syndrome Ultras there. You got the VSPs. That's Vinegar Syndrome Pictures. Now we have the VSLs. This is Vinegar Syndrome Labs. And we have our first two VSL releases. And that is Flesh and Fantasy. And if you scroll down a little bit, we have Kuruku, Beast of the Amazon. So these are the first VSL releases. Now, the VSL line is they pitch it as these are films that don't fit into the Vinegar Syndrome uh, mold. So when they announced that, people were like, what could this be? Because Vinegar Syndrome is mostly 80s. 70s 70s 80s 90s you know kind of that era so people thought well what could this be could this be very old films could this be very new films or could this be something like a genre or a uh, a form that they've never released like uh anime or something like that and it turns out that it seems like it is old films so we have two old films one uh flesh and fantasy 
is from the 1943 and Kuruku, I think is from the fifties. And, uh, I'm excited for these releases, especially flesh and fantasy. It is a, uh, early horror anthology. I mean, I can't tell you how many movies I've bought because they're labeled as the first horror anthology. Well, they keep finding older ones. I keep getting scammed. <laughs> I thought dead of night was the first one. Oh no, flesh and fantasy. Not for I'll find one five years before that. Um, but kind of cool. A lot of people are speculating that the reason they keep having these sub labels is because they want to keep the price of the vinegar syndrome subscription under a thousand dollars to subscribe and get all their releases. Like we have, we talked about the subscription, like where you get them all sent to you. Uh, not in detail. So I'm curious to hear this. So it's, I've never done it cause it's just, it's too much money up front. I can't, I can't do it, but it's like 900 some dollars and you pay it up front and you get every vinegar syndrome release throughout the year. You don't have to buy anything else. They just get sent to you. You get them before anybody else. Just every month you get a package at your door, which sounds amazing. Like truly sounds like my dream, but it, it is a lot of money up front. And I think they keep wanting to put out more and more movies as they get bigger and bigger, but they don't want that subscription price to go over a thousand because even if it's 980 versus a thousand and twenty, that is a big jump in people, even though it's only 40 X, it's a big jump. So it's an extra digit, you know, that, yep. that registers in your mind. It's the difference between nine ninety nine and ten dollars. Exactly. It and feels like a lot. So that's why they keep putting out these sub labels because the sub labels aren't included in the subscription. So you don't get your VSAs, you don't get your VSLs, you don't get your VSUs. But what you do get is you get fifty percent off of those anytime. So you do get a discount oh. on them all the time, which is nice. Um or at least they're new releases maybe not some of their older ones but they're new i don't know anyway but um yeah so anyway this is the new vinegar syndrome sub label which i think is kind of cool um and i'm definitely interested in flesh and fantasy okay well thank you that was very informative i I actually was always curious about how all that worked but it's first i've ever heard of it yeah someday someday i'll pull the trigger on that subscription yeah, I'd like to see you do that sometime. I bet that would be happy times in the in the Brad house yeah. know, for that calendar year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did mention Bat Pussy. Uh, Bat Pussy from 1973. We did talk about that last month, um, but apparently Agfa is giving it another go. Uh, so Bat Pussy gets two releases. Awesome. Um, and they're also putting out The Black Crystal from 1990, 1991, excuse me, um, that uh, that font is curiously similar to The Dark Crystal, but this is The Black Crystal. Um, and yeah, this looks to be of the standards of an Agfa release. Probably a lot of fun uh, if you're in the mood for that sort of thing. Um, in a non-genre uh, film, uh territory we also have a release of bones and all on blu-ray which uh brad you recently watched this didn't you yeah i watched it i uh, i enjoyed it um another new release that i wish would be getting a 4k but um yeah it was uh it was solid i uh kind of a road trip movie a little bit of a you know badlands kind of young love on the road but they're cannibals kind of thing um and yeah directed by luca guadagnino who uh i i like pretty much all his stuff i've seen but i don't 
know if I'd say I love any of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, his uh, his name carries a decent amount of weight. Mm-hmm. Like, every time something comes out, it seems like a decent amount of buzz surrounds the release of it. Um, and I've, I've actually heard mostly good things about this. Uh, some people absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've heard anyone talk shit about it as of yet, but I, I'd be curious to check this one out. This one would probably be a really easy sell uh, for the girlfriend. Um, she's she'd probably be very much into this um it how violent is it just like just so i know not too bad uh not as bad as you would expect from like an r rating there's a few moments but i mean it it's it's up to your discretion but i was i was kind of hoping for a little more to be honest so okay okay light r rating in terms of gore i'd say I, I think that's I think that's manageable. It's it's funny actually because she has a medical background, so like gore doesn't bother her. Like like okay. blood and violence actually doesn't bother her. It's more a uh, tone. Yeah, like she she can't handle like mean spiritedness. Okay, like, like if it's like if it's just like cruelty and stuff like that. Um, but it sounds it sounds like that would be a fun watch. Not not fun, but enjoyable. Um. You want to help me plow through all this other Vincent shit? Because I can never tell what the fuck I'm looking at. Yeah, I'll, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll tackle some of these just here. Uh, we have Made in Hong Kong Volume 1, which is a selection of, uh, I think, three movies. Um, don't know much about any of them, but uh, kind of a cool little set they're putting out. Uh, I will point out that Anthony Wong is the fellow with the glasses in the middle of that cover. Okay. Uh, which which means it's probably going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's about right. Uh, Frostbiter, which I'm actually very excited for this one. Um, it is a regional horror film, and actually regional horror shot in my own state. It is a Michigan uh, film, and it's kind of an Evil Dead sort of. I think it's a group of guys who go up north on a hunting trip and unleash some sort of evil beast that uh you know starts to cause chaos. Sounds like a lot of fun, and I've heard some good things about it. Um, we also have uh, Satan's Menagerie, which is a, a partner label. Attack of the Beast Creatures, which is another Agfa release, and is one that uh. The slipcover sold out real quick. Uh, didn't even last until being able to go on sale. And I that one actually looks like a lot of fun. I wish I would have gotten the slipcover, but I may pick that one up in a future sale. Um, Infernal Rapist, which uh, is pretty uh, extreme. I think it's a Mexican uh, horror film, I believe. Um, I think what, Death Magic is a Saturn's... Uh, what is it? Saturn's cult? No, this is Culture Shock. Another sub label. I mean, at this point, I'm just rambling. Um, Undeclared yeah, War, just, you're, which you're is just saying names. Yeah, Undeclared <laughs> War is a, a VSA, and uh, Ted Bundy is another VSA. I'll end it there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much of anything to say about any of those. Uh, I didn't know that the Ted Bundy one was uh, was affiliated with Vinegar Syndrome, but Sure, why not? Um, I will point out that we have the release of a uh, we have an I believe an indicator box of uh, Enter Santo, the first adventures of the Silver Masked Man. Uh, I've always been very curious about Santo. Mm-hmm. Uh, at my previous apartment, uh, my uh, decor, like all my uh, stuff hanging on the walls, consisted of a 
Lucha Libre masks, and I most certainly had a Santo and a Blue Demon. Um, the only Santo footage I think I've ever seen, though, probably came from like Mystery Science Theater and this weird pro wrestling video that my brother had when he was a teenager that was uh, featuring commentary from the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> and they have <laughs> these amazing. interludes where uh, they cut from like indie wrestling footage to. Uh, I believe it's footage from a Santo film that they're talking over, like Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. I've never actually sat down to watch a Santo movie, though. I'd be very curious to check it out. Um, We have uh, Lieutenant Jangles from 2018. I believe this is an Australian film uh, that uh, I love the cover for it, um, but I, I went and looked up a trailer for it, and I was like, I don't know. Not good? Like, this, this... yeah, it just it looks like i don't know kind of trashy and kind of cheap in the way that's like it's not it's not as endearing as as it as it's wants to be i guess uh, i i might i might go back and take another look I, uh, that was a while ago um but i do like the cover art for this one um but i'm running out of things to highlight here so i guess the last one i'll point out is there's something called uncle kent two from 2015 that i'm just curious uh there's there's a movie called uncle kent one and now there's an uncle kent two i I need to read this plot description in a desperate search to create a follow-up to joe swanberg's 2011 film uncle kent kent osborne travels to a comic book convention in san diego where he loses his mind and confronts the end of the world this I actually know what this is now. Um, this this oh you do this is a, a partner label release, and it's kind of a like the fact that you're like Uncle Kent too. What the hell? What, it it's kind of it's it's like a meta kind of thing. Like it's meant to be like oh who what it's is Leonard Part Six? Yeah, ex- kind of. But I think there is an Uncle Kent. But I think okay, it has like no connection to that movie or something. Or it's like you know it's like a meta like in that world Uncle Kent. I don't know, but. Sounded kind of interesting, um, but yeah, definitely threw you for a loop there. Yeah, um, there are many other things coming out in this last week of January, but unfortunately it's all things that are uh, outside of my understanding. <laughs> like these, I could just throw titles at you, dear listener, um, but I'm sure that would get really dull at some point, so I'm just going to cut off here unless you have any other titles you want to talk about, Brad. No, I think that, that about covers it. Okay, well, this was a very smooth one. I had a lot of fun. Um, But before we uh, wrap things up here, uh, as is customary, uh, we'll do our uh, wrap-up here and actually uh, do a little review of the month's releases and just highlight any titles um, that we think we might actually check out or pick up. Um, So I'll give Brad some time to collect his thoughts, um, and I'll work my way backwards uh, through the calendar as he does so. Um, so I'm currently in January 31st. I'm sorry, sidekicks. I don't think I need to own you. <laughs> <laughs> um, after all that shit I just talked, it would be kind of weird if I did. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get anything uh, from January 31st. Uh, so I'm going to go to the previous week. Uh, that Metal Skin Panic, just because... It's been teasing me my whole life, like because it's been financially out of my reach all these years. If that's like fifteen bucks, I might actually grab that, mm-hmm. just because I've I've been curious about it 
most of my life. Um, but like I said, I've just never had an opportunity to actually watch it. Um, so I might get that. Um, Violent Night, I would get. But it's January. Yeah. It's not December. Why? I, I'm not going to buy something knowing full well. I'm not going to be in the mood to watch it for a full fucking year. It's, <laughs> so, it's weird that they do that now. Like They used to hold off yeah. until November or whatever, but... Yeah, it, it, that's just so sloppy. Like, like really, I I liked that movie. I had fun with that movie. I would like to own that movie. Not right now, though, because <laughs> I know full well I'm just not going to be in the mood to watch it. Um, so, yeah, that's a pass for now. Um, rolling it back a bit. Uh, you you do got to poke your Becky buddies about that Death Knot movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> Uh, Ghost Warrior from Kino. Uh, I said it. I meant it. I'm buying that shit blind. That just, that just sounds hokey and stupid in exactly the right way to me. Hopefully it's violent. It's probably not. Um, but uh, that's that's a guaranteed purchase from me. Um, the Executioner Collection and Dragons Forever on 4K. Those are both pretty much guaranteed from me as well. Um, I really wish I knew if they were going to put out a Wheels on Meals uh, 4k or at least a blu-ray in this region uh, because honestly between the two of those movies that is the one that i i much prefer this one's very good but i think of them as as two halves and and i feel like it's weird getting not only the second half but the lesser half first yeah if at all that that's just a weird business proposal if you ask me that's that's just me though uh, and then after all that shit, I talked about The Rock and Black Adam. Absolutely not. No. Good um, call. So, like, actually, pretty good month for me. I got I got a Jackie Chan. I got a I got a couple of Sunny Chibas. Uh, I'm gonna get Ghost Warrior, uh, and yeah, Violent Night next year, baby. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that's it for me. Uh, how about yourself, Brett? Uh, Baron Munchausen, I'll be getting in a Criterion sale. Um, I think I will probably get the Dragons Forever 4K just because I want to see it. I'm excited about, you know, 88 films come, going, you know, Region A. So it's you got to mark the occasion with a purchase. Um, I, I'd like to get the menu, but I don't think I'm going to... I think I'm going to hold out and hope for 4K because... I I could see it. I don't know. Um, dentist collection is a definite buy, and then the vinegar syndrome stuff. I'll be getting, you know, handfuls of it in their sales, but nothing before then. Um, but Crimes of the Future, I think, is one that I will be buying as well. So, yeah, few titles for me this month actually more than I more than I really wanted to be honest. Uh, trying to save money, but. How it goes? Yeah, I mean, we both started this conversation with that mindset. But hey, look at us found a lot of found a lot of stuff we want to get. Yep. So that, that's how it is. But um, yeah, great episode, bud. I had a lot of fun. This yeah. Time. Thanks um, for having me, man. But yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me. I always appreciate it. 
But um, before we go, though, uh, Brad, would you care to let the folks at home know uh, where they can find you and your super awesome podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, you can find us on social media at on Twitter at the Cinema Speak. Uh, Instagram is Cinema Speak Podcast. We're on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and you can just find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Okay, thank you so much for that. Uh, and as for myself and as for my show, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking google it that being said thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time